the Sunday night edition of Free Talk Live, a particularly exciting edition, at least for me anyway. I'll tell you all about that in a little while. It has to do... Because you got your Gwar shirt. Why you got to spoil it? Oh, I didn't know that was it. Because I didn't know that was it. All right. Wow. Damn it, Richie. I thought yeah, you actually like, had something exciting. Okay, I'm sorry. That was it. Oh, my bad. Yeah, you're bad. All right. I didn't know that was it. Fortunately for you, you've brought a, a, a number two story today. Okay. So, you know, we'll we'll just overlook that. Uh, the telephone number here is 603-283-6160. If you'd like to join us, we've got somebody on hold we're going to get to basically right away. But before we do, uh, the start date is... Zero eight zero six two zero two three in the studio tonight. It is myself, the authentic Lord Reverend Doctor Captain Kickass Buckshot Esquire, if you will. Joining me, it's Nikki and Richie Rich. Uh, so, without further ado, let's go to the phones. Uh, I believe uh, this man is named Brandon. Is that correct? Yes, that is correct. Hey, let's you, go, Brandon. <laughs> you are on Free Talk Live. Uh, tell us uh, a bit about where you're calling from and what what's on your mind. So I'm calling from the Lafayette Parish Correctional Center. It's uh, our local jail here in Louisiana. Okay. And I was just calling because I wanted to tell you guys how much I love the show and, you know, show my support and give a shout-out to Aria and tell her to keep her head up. Oh, that's awesome, man. That's awesome. Uh, So are you able to listen to the show inside of the jail? I do, or I can. Um... You know, it plays like three hours from now, but it is the only radio programming that I listen to religiously as of like January of this year. So can you tell us a little more about your incarceration or is that confidential information? Um, so, I mean, I, I go I go to a pre-trial date this week and, you know, without... You know, I can't discuss it too much over the okay. phone. So you're not convicted um, yet. You're just being held until trial. Yeah, it, it, you know, I'll, I'll call back another time after <laughs> I take a plea offer. <laughs> yeah, no, no sweat, man. Uh, so have, uh, other than listening to the show, uh, has that been your only interaction uh, with Arya? That is correct. Okay, all right. Uh, well, uh, I, I'm sure she appreciates it. I don't think that she's able to listen to the show where she's at. Uh, she's going to have a lot of catching up to do when she yeah. gets out. <laughs> yeah, hopefully Riley keeps pumping out those digest versions so it doesn't take her you know, as long. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about on the show while we got you on the phone? Oh, uh, no, not really. You know, it's, uh, thanks for keeping me entertained every Sunday, you know, Sunday night and all that. You know, you guys are awesome. Brandon, we thank you for listening and say hello to anybody else who listens to the program as well. We appreciate you. Uh, have a good night, man. Yeah, spread the message. Prison ministry. Yeah, totally. Yeah. 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 If you are in prison, uh, your number one thought should be freedom. Yeah. Right. How do I yeah. get it? How do I get the heck out of here? How do I achieve it uh, once I'm out of here? How do I get even more of it than I had before I was in here? Uh, and if you can spread the message of freedom amongst those who are imprisoned, uh, I think it's common knowledge, or at least I hope it's common knowledge, that the United States of America has more prisoners mm-hmm. uh, at this point in space and time than even the gulags, uh, you know, of of the day had. Uh, no one has imprisoned more people uh, than the United States prison system ever in all of Earth's history. 
And most of that, again, victimless crimes. Victimless crimes, drug violations, possession, stuff like that. Well, they profit off of people being incarcerated. So why wouldn't they create a system in which almost everything is illegal? Well, uh, illegal for us. Is that a failure of capitalism? Hmm? Is that a failure of capitalism? Uh, Probably not. Okay. (laughs) No, but it's a feature of statism. Okay. Just checking. Yeah. Yeah. Capitalism. It's for-profit enterprise, man. That's like... The bread and butter of capitalism. Right. So what, what what's happening is people are participating in capitalism, i.e. dealing drugs, right? Uh, and because it's illegal under statism, they are paying penalties for victimless crimes. Yep. So they have otherwise completely willing and voluntary people who are purchasing their product or using their service. Uh, they are both happy to exchange with each other without involving any third parties whatsoever. Uh, you know, and so they make their exchanges, and then here comes the bully, also known as the state, coming and going, hey, 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 that's illegal. We didn't get our cut, and, you know, you didn't get an official license, and it's not legal in your state, or whatever the hell it is, and they incarcerate people for it. Yep. Um, I did the math in Washington State, and I can't remember what it was, but at the time, uh, Washington State had recently legalized uh, marijuana sales, and then the state came calling and said, hey, we're going to have to raise some taxes because, you know, we're short, you know, $12 million for this thing that we're trying to do. And I ran the numbers of how many people were incarcerated in Washington state or from Washington state who were incarcerated for uh, victimless crimes, possession of marijuana, possession of drugs or selling of drugs uh, where there was no victim, no harm to any person or property. And it would have been twice the amount if they'd have just released all those people at about $35,000 a year uh, to keep each inmate. If they'd have just released all of the victimless crime inmates, they would have had more, almost double the amount that they were seeking for their project. And those people would likely have gotten jobs and they would have stolen taxes from them that way too. Right. So, but no, they don't. Uh, despite the fact that uh, marijuana is legal in Washington state, uh, very few of the we'll call them uh, incarcerated uh, for the victimless crimes, for selling of this thing, which is now legal, are have been released. Very few. Uh, a few of them have been released because, you know, whoever the, the politician du jour was was like, I want to make myself look good. I'm going to release five people instead of like yeah, all of here's, them. Yeah, here's this press release, you know. Yeah. Like Biden. Right. Yeah. That released nobody. Right. So and before we get too far off the topic, yeah. for Brandon in particular, because he mentioned taking a plea deal. Yes. And far be it for me to be on the never take a plea bandwagon, uh, but I think something should be highlighted as it relates to Aria and the Crypto 6 case. Yeah. Like, despite the sentence that Ian is facing uh, for having not taken a plea, mm-hmm. um, it, correct me if I'm wrong, because you know more about this than I do, both Aria and nobody took pleas for crimes that were eventually dropped and not even brought up in Ian's trial, right? Like they went, well, we don't really have the evidence for that. I believe that's correct. But uh, they but they got nobody in Aria on it because I, they took a plea. I actually don't know about the Aria. So Aria pled guilty to uh, not having a license. Yeah. Okay. And she's like, well, I didn't. I didn't seek a license. I didn't yeah. pay for a license. I didn't get a license. You know, so th- she's like, the only thing on this list of things that, that I've actually done or not done in this case okay. uh, was not have a license to do the things that I was doing. 
Um, and I don't know if that particular one has been dropped against Ian or not. Okay. Well, definitely nobody's because I've heard him complain about it. Yes. Okay. Yes, that one has. And I don't know if we've said it here on the Sunday Night Edition, but uh, uh, it has been publicized now over on the freekeen.com blog. Uh, one of the money laundering charges has been dropped against Ian Freeman. Mm-hmm. One. Okay. There's seven more to go. Seven more you know, on the list of eight charges or whatever he was charged with. Um, and this is the result of his attorney having motioned to dismiss for lack of evidence, like mid-trial or something like that. So I remember okay. it happening, and then the judge never ruled on it. And then the trial was over, and the jury found him guilty on everything. And then, like, months later, they're coming, they're circling back around to this thing because they can't actually settle the case mm-hmm. until this motion gets settled that, that his attorney made. So hopefully there's more good news coming in the future about those things, but... Uh, that to me was just like, oh my gosh, this is the best news I've heard about this case, like since it happened, since the raid happened. Okay. So that's there too. So my point, just be wary about taking the deal. Yeah, totally. Right? It's, it seems easier because the penalty you're facing is so much greater as they stack it against you. Yeah. But if they don't have the evidence for it, right, right and they're not going to get you anyway. Well, there was another member of the Crypto Six who I'm not going to name. Yeah. But they were trying to get this person to take a plea deal. They said, no, you don't you don't have anything. And right. then they dropped all of the charges. There you go. So, so again, not sure what situation Brand is in. Good luck, especially if it's a victimless crime. You know, one of those well, state actor things. But. Some people may not be aware. Uh, I think most of the regular listeners to Free Talk Live might be aware. But if you're just tuning in or you're a new listener, most court cases do not go to trial. Mm-hmm. They right. are settled by plea deal. Right. Like, and they have uh, the way th- their methodology is such that this is what they do. Uh, they load up, you know, they're, oh, we're going to charge you with these 40 things or whatever, the big list of things. Right. And that's designed to scare you. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, so that you're like, oh, man, am I going to beat yeah. all of those charges? So if you only pleaded th- like these two charges, right. you know, you won't have to, you know, we're going to threaten you with life in prison. Right. But if you do this, it's just a fine and house arrest and this, that, and the other thing. Which they definitely did to Aria. Yeah. That was one of the reasons why she took the plea on the one. And they did it to nobody as well. Right. So uh, this is their standard operating procedure is what I'm saying to to our listeners is they will load up as many charges, even if they're BS charges, what they have no evidence for. They will just load them up, load them up, load them up to make it look like you are facing like the most possible time and penalties that you could possibly face when they don't even have evidence for most of them. Yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you, you're absolutely spot on, Richie Rich, with that particular uh, comment about that is what they do. They will load these. If they don't have evidence for any of it, it's it's just all for show. It's all designed to scare you into taking the plea deal because that's what they want. They don't want you going to trial. Right. They know that if you take if everybody who is facing some sort of a charge took their case to trial, the system would collapse tomorrow. Yeah. Literally. I, I just also think there's too many hardcore libertarian liberty people going like never take the plea. You got to fight it from the beginning and, and use our method, right, to beat the state. Um and that doesn't factor in the individual case that some people might be facing. Right. So, yeah, sometimes it might be better to take a plea deal. It might be. Well, you know? it, it depends on the situation. Like if you're talking about somebody who's like a single parent, for example, right? It's probably important for you to get out ASAP, 
right? Uh, and it takes time to take a, a trial to court and mm-hmm. the attorney, and maybe it's money. Yeah. You know, there, there's, there's all these things. There's a lot of factors. Yeah. Uh, a lot of things play into this. And most people, even if they do fight these things in court and try and take it to trial, uh, they lose because of money. Yep. They run out of funds to fight it. So uh, the land of the free, if you can afford it, is really what's going on here. And even then, it's not really the land of the free. You can be more free if you happen to have enough money to pay attorneys to get out of things like this. but Or political connections. Or political connections. But the system will bleed you dry. They will take every last dime you have trying to prosecute you. If you have high enough political connections, you can walk into the White House with a bag of cocaine and leave it lying around and nothing happens to you. Yeah, yeah it's funny, like uh, uh, the January 6th thing. Like they got, you know, they got facial recognition going on. They're like, oh, look, it's Dave yeah. from like southern Iowa. He lives six at, you months know. later. They're still parsing through the footage. Yeah, but they can't find out who left the bag of Coke in the White House. We don't yeah. have cameras in that area of the White House. Yeah, yeah I, I, I mean, they I know. Call BS. Yeah, they know. They, they must know. They're just the not person uh, to already it. took a plea deal off the record. <laughs> yeah. Please pardon me, Dad. Right. <laughs> I mean, is there any question in anybody's mind whose cocaine it was? No, the question is who brought Hunter's bag of cocaine into the White House? Like, that's... Well, that's Hunter, pro- of course. That's the proper phrasing of the question. Who dropped Hunter Biden's bag of cocaine in the White House? Could it have possibly been Hunter Biden? Yeah. Yeah. But either way, that's what political connections get you. Right? Street guy, lower guy, middle class, people like us. Even, you know, you, you get a small bit of uh, cocaine stuck on your shoe because you walk through the wrong neighborhood. Like Busted. That's possession. Get ready for some years. But not the politically connected. No, definitely not. Then it's a family issue. A family issue. We, we, we respect your privacy. We appreciate you respecting our privacy while we deal with this internally as a family. Yeah. It's really not for you guys. It's a family thing. Yeah, they don't let everybody else uh, go that way. Yeah, no. And, uh, yeah, no no thoughts and prayers for cousin Dave who's doing, you right. know, 20 years in the joint for Yeah, no, he's a menace a to society. Of, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But uh Hunter, ah, he's fine. Yeah, he's good. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and he gets to keep his laptop too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um all right, so we've got a, a ton of things that you know, we're going to try and get to, of course, tonight. Uh, I liked this story, at least from the headline perspective. Uh, Richie Rich, you brought this one in. Um, the headline reads, this is from DailyMail.co.uk. Farmer who lives off-grid in remote Appalachia with no government ID reveals what it's really like to survive without running water, electricity, or shoes. I like this guy already. As he sets out to find a wife to share his unique lifestyle. All right. Now, when when people who aren't familiar with uh, libertarianism or anarchism or the philosophies of freedom, the non-aggression principles, stuff like that, when they first sort of come out of the fog of statism, a lot of them, you know, have that. They're like, oh, man, I'm going to go run off into the woods and just, you know, exit the system completely. I'm going to, you know, homestead. I'm going to live off the land. More you know, difficult than you think. It's also impractical, like yes. at least for me anyway. I, you know, m- maybe some other people can do it. But this is usually what, like, it's like first stage uh, 
you know, libertarianism is like, gotta move to the remote area of wherever. I'm going yes. to Montana. I'm going to Alaska. Mm-hmm. I'm moving to Canada. You know, oh, New Hampshire looks good. I wonder how far north I can get. And you can get pretty far north in New Hampshire. This guy needs his own reality show. Like this guy does. either the Bachelor Appalachia edition <laughs> or the Real Housewives of Appalachia once he gets married. Ooh, nice. Uh, this guy's name is Titus Morris. So, yeah, definitely a uh, uh, media-type name. Right? Yeah. Not every day you meet somebody with the first name Titus. Uh, Very strong masculine name, you know. <laughs> Envision that. Uh, so a farmer who lives off-grid in rural Kentucky is the star of a new YouTube video. Okay, YouTube. Which lays bare his very striped or stripped back lifestyle and how he is on the quest for love. Titus Morris has been living in a remote part of the Appalachian Mountains for eight years with no electricity, no water. I mean, he has access to water. He just doesn't have running water. Right. No city water. No city water. No cell phone, no car, and even no shoes in the summer. There's probably a... I mean, I'm down with that. There's probably a grip of libertarians going, you know, yeah, that sounds good so far. I, I do like electricity and running water. I would prefer to have well-drilled water that's not, you know, like oh, yeah. keen city water. Yeah, yeah. But, but would I mean, you drill it yourself in Kentucky? I mean, I could try. I, I've, I have friends who have drilled their own wells, okay. and it looked like it sucked. <laughs> uh, having, and in New Hampshire, I mean, it's not called the Granite State for no reason. I okay. don't know if I could successfully drill a well up here. Um, there are people who offer these services. Uh, yeah. I, I worked for a well driller for a short period of time in New Mexico. Oh, I was about to ask if you were looking for a job, but maybe not. No, I did that <laughs> yes, job. Yes, but no. And there's no way in hell I will ever. First of all, the problem with drilling for water. It's for the immigrants at this the point. The problem that I had drilling for water with the job that I took for a very short period of time as I tried to get my ass the heck out of New Mexico. So they yeah. used a divining rod. They did actually use that. <laughs> um, but that wasn't my problem. My problem was it's the freaking desert. Well, more importantly, you've got to go deep. It's the freaking desert. Yeah. Just try harder. Come on. <laughs> like, like. If you'd have told me, like, hey, man, when you're like, uh, when you're like 18, 19 years old, you're going to find yourself in the desert drilling for water. I'd have been like, whatever. Like, That's never going to happen. It sounds like one of those sayings, like, oh, when hell freezes over. Oh, yeah. when you hit yeah. water in the desert. Yeah. Yeah. And so I worked for a well drilling company uh, and that was their their whole thing. And like every now and again, I mean, they had all the tech. They had this like almost sonar looking thing that they okay. would, you know, drive around the, the area where the, the landowner wanted the well. And they'd be like, well, we'll give you, you know, this much range. And they try and find a spot. And like, if they couldn't find one, out comes the divining rod, you know, and they would go by that. And like one time it worked. Out know? of how many? I mean, I don't know. Okay. You know, I think I, I worked on maybe seven different sites. Statistically but- significant number of divining rod successes. I Yeah. I don't okay. think you can draw statistics from my specific okay. uh, experience. But uh, basically, my job was shoveling, shoveling gravel, because what they do is they drill a big, big hole. They they bring in this truck, and like this iron, you know, tower sort of tips off the back of it. The truck has to be secured uh, to the ground in several different ways, and then another truck comes in. And this truck is full of uh, drill rods, okay. and so they put the bit on the end of one rod, and they start drilling. And as soon as it gets down far enough, they bring in another rod with like a crane and you got to tip it up and whatever and you attach it and then they drill down far enough until you get room for another rod and you just repeat this process until you hit water 
once water is hit, they got to pull all the rods out and you got to disassemble and put it back on the truck, you know, disassemble the drill bit and all that kind of stuff. And then what they do is they will uh, fill the hole with uh, industrial sized PVC pipe okay. all the way down to the water. And then they'll put a, an electric pump at the end of it with wires coming all the way up the length of, of the, uh, the, the well, the shaft, if you will. Uh, and then, you know, they'll tie it into, you know, some electrical system, either solar powered or tie it into grid electric or battery power or whatever it is. Um, and so now you have this wide hole with a smaller bit of PVC going all the way down to the water. Well, you got to fill in around the PVC so that the pipe doesn't move around as it's pumping water. And you do that by shoveling gravel. So in would roll a big-ass dump truck full of gravel, and they would dump it on the ground and leave. And then they handed me a shovel and went, here you go. We'll come back for you at 6. When it gets dark. Yeah, and sometimes it would take a couple of days to like fill one of these things in. So basically my job was shoveling gravel. Uh, The reason I got the job was because they wanted somebody with welding experience, which I had. Uh, I went to a, a trade school for welding. Uh, when I was uh, young, and uh, so I, I knew how to, you know, lay a bead or do a tack weld, that kind of thing, because every now and again, one of these steel rods might need some you know, attention or something on the truck would break and you need to reinforce it, something like that. So they wanted a laborer, but if something went awry, they wanted somebody who could, you know, pop a weld if they needed to. Got it. I never did any welding for these people. All right. I, I shoveled and that was it. That was my entire job. They paid me cash under the table, no overtime, 10 to 12 hours a day. Uh, and uh, that is what got me the heck out of New Mexico. Nice. Hmm. How deep are the roots of a cactus? I have you know? no idea. All right. Yeah. I'm sure we could find that. Uh, but the well was much deeper. Understood. But yeah. I mean, that might be a way, you know, just I'm ignorant to this, but I've just given it some thought. Right? Cactus need to have some sort of water source. Cacti? Right? Cacti. Sure. So, you know, if if those roots go deep to a water source, that might be... So they don't. They don't? That's no the answer. I think they just don't need a lot of water. I know they don't need a lot, but they need something. Well, I believe they collect uh, moisture from, uh, what do you call it, uh, you know, when the night changes to day. Oh, oh the dew? Dew, yeah, yeah. The, the, the moisture, humidity, the humidity and, okay. and that kind of thing. Condensation, that's right. the word I'm looking for. 603-283-6160. Are you a cactus? Have you ever drilled for water? Are you in jail? Give us a call. Free Talk Live, more coming up. Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash Digital Cash. Dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. Unfortunately, due to government meddling, the company that partnered with Dash to offer Dash Direct is leaving the crypto business. However, they weren't the only provider of discounted gift cards for Dash. BitRefill.com has been accepting Dash for years and has a ton of big-name retailers and brands, including grocers, gas stations, phone refills, Amazon, and even prepaid MasterCards. You could actually live off your Dash using bitrefill.com. Plus, many of their gift cards come with a discount. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get and use Dash. Start by learning more at Dash.org. Thanks to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit Dash.org to learn about Dash. Dash.org.
And we're back. That wasn't you. He was slow Psych. on the unmute yeah, on that I was, one. Uh, Psych. Yeah. <laughs> it was the last time I didn't even know if that. it was my turn. Uh, you were meditating over there. I, I was oh. not. Yeah. I was too excited showing you photos on my phone and talking about my nice guar t-shirt that you <laughs> He's yeah. so kindly. So, yeah, un- deck, yeah, un- deck picks. Unsolicited. <laughs> unsolicited deck picks, no less. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you know, reveling in the the awesomeness of the Guar shirt that Nikki was kind enough to bring back. Yep, from, that was how, the best one too. How, how was the show? And the only one that was left in your size. Nice. How was the show? <laughs> oh, it was awesome. Had you ever so, seen Guar before? No, this okay. was my first time right. seeing Guar. Right. I was not disappointed. Can Can I ask one question before you tell the story? Yes. <laughs> Who did they decapitate, dismember? Usually? No one famous. It was because really? my my good friend who has seen guar before was telling me well she was asking me after the show did they please tell me like which president did they decapitate right so i was very disappointed to they did not know and she she showed me a video on her phone months ago of her guar show where they decapitated obama yep and or maybe it wasn't yeah because i think it was years ago it was obama and uh trump yeah yeah so I, I think that so the last Guar show I saw was the last time uh, Dave Brocky toured uh, before he died. Yeah, and so on that particular tour, I saw them decapitate Obama and Trump. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've seen them decapitate uh, Clinton, Hillary, uh, and Bill both. Yeah, uh, or it'll be some sort of you know some you know music person like they decapitated some country music guy that I don't remember. Yeah, for um, my show it was. I mean, they definitely ripped some sort of creatures head off yeah. but it didn't seem to be anybody famous so i was pretty disappointed and maybe they did and i totally missed it but mm, no one in possible. my group picked up on it either it was when you were in line buying the t-shirt oh no 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 i did not leave the stage <laughs> yeah How, and we were in the pit too so ooh. i got s- sprayed with all sorts of stuff did you wear a white t-shirt um, so I was thinking of wearing my wedding dress. <laughs> I really wanted to do that. Um, and then I ended up not doing it. And it, it wasn't like my expensive fancy one. It would have been the reception one. Yeah. Um, but no, I ended up just wearing my butcher baby shirt because it was really okay. hot. And I'm like, I don't want to wear a wedding dress for like eight hours at this concert with like five different bands. It was just too much. So, yeah. But the one thing that disappointed me the most about the show was that Butcher Babies, mm-hmm. which I'm I'm pretty much going for Butcher Babies and Guar. Yeah. They were the first act. What? And of course, we were not expecting that at all. I think Cole Chamber, yeah. who apparently, I've never heard of them. Oh, they've been around and for, then, that's actually um, their reunion tour now. Yeah. Because then, their lead singer went on to be uh, to be in Devil Driver. Okay, so I'm familiar, familiar with Devil that, Driver, yeah. He's the same guy. Uh, okay. He started with Cole Chamber, and then they brought him back, and now, mm-hmm. so this is their kind of reunion tour, so... I yeah, kind of so I mean, that. it was good. Um, and then Mudvayne, I I honestly have not. They're they're pretty pretty popular band. Yeah. I haven't heard of them until I heard that they were playing with Guar and Butcher Babies. Mm. So I knew they were headlining. I knew they'd be last, obviously, because it's the Mudvayne tour. But I really wasn't. Oh, I was not expecting Butcher Babies to be first at all. And Guar if I went on known before that, Mudvayne. Yeah, that's surprising. Okay. Right. Yeah, yeah. So everything was backwards. Yeah. Clearly, I wasn't part of the planning committee because I had, you know, so we we were all pretty confused. And Cole Chamber went on after Guar. Oh, so it was Guar was second. So no, no, no. There was another bands. band in between. Five it was bands. Butcher Babies, 
I can't. I'm blanking That's on fine. the second band. Must not have been good. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm kind of a tough crowd too. Uh, uh and then Guar, okay. and then Cole Chamber, and then, then Mudvayne. Okay. And at that point, I was like, "Can we just go? Like, yeah. I have to pee, and I want to go home, and you know, grab some Taco Bell on the way home. Like, I don't. I'm kind of done with standing here right now. So, but overall, and you know, Mudvayne was good. Like overall, yeah. it was a great show, but. So outside of the the no decapitation of a president, what did you think of the Guar show? Cause, oh, it was awesome. Uh, we spent I don't know like the first half hour of last Sunday's show talking about Guar. I just sort of yeah. went off on a Guar rant. So uh, the folks who are listening again this Sunday, I'm yep, sure. So they're pretty. Have, they're already familiar, at least with you know some of the history, some of the stuff I've seen. But uh, as a first timer, like they were obviously way different than all the other bands, right? Oh, the, yeah. The costumes. Very unique, And all yeah. that kind of stuff. What what cool stuff did they do on stage that, that you liked? Um, Well, obviously, like, spraying the audience like that. And I, I was expecting all of this because I've seen a lot of Guar videos and a lot of my friends have gone to see Guar. Um, so I was, you know, I I knew what to expect. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, like, the that, like, 4D aspect of it is really cool and really interactive. And that obviously draws a lot of people to the show. Yes. Um, yeah, I mean, the theatrics is definitely very interesting. I I feel like nowadays a lot of bands you go to see, it's like, oh, they're just playing their song and it just, you could listen to the album. Like it it sounds the same. They might as well be lip syncing. Like we're not even sure if they're actually playing their instruments. It's just kind of dry and boring. So it's nice to see someone actually putting on a show, being interactive, um, and I always enjoy shows that are like that more where at least like people are dancing, running around the stage, interacting with other members of the band, interacting with the audience. To me, that's a really important part of live music that mm-hmm. a no- not a lot of bands are doing that nowadays. Yeah. You can't um, pirate the live experience. No, you, especially not a Guar show. Right. No. And I mean, like you can take videos on your phone, but it is not going to it's compare yeah. to, you know, yeah. experiencing music live. Yeah. And getting sprayed in the face with fake blood and semen. Yeah, they they go <laughs> they go to the the great extent of practical special effects. Uh, they have they've employed people uh, who are uh, former practical effects people in uh, like indie films, like Troma, oh, you know, stuff good. like that, where they like build these polyester suits, these costumes that they wear. Oh, yeah. They have different outfits, so they, they might have the same person wearing several different outfits throughout the thing. It is literally a theatrical production that just yeah. happens to have a heavy metal band front and center. Yeah, and uh, there were like supportive, I wouldn't call them members of the band, but there were supportive people there on stage that were also dressed up. There was one chick that was kind of dressed up like a monkey that would like come like hop like hopping on stage and then she'd go back and kind of, you know, cut the line or however they you know, make the the blood project yeah. from like the chainsaws and you know, the people's limbs and their head and whatever. Um so there were people like that. So Captain is getting it, really excited about this <laughs> description here. <laughs> I, I mean, I've seen Guar a number of times, uh, and they they have a crew of people behind the scenes that you don't see. Some of them you do see, like this person you're describing yeah. is obviously a member of the crew, but also dressed up so that it looks like they're a part of the show while mm-hmm. they perform crew actions. Yeah. Yep. There's a whole bunch of mechanics that go on behind the scenes of a Guar show. Uh, all of the set changes that happen, they'll do pyrotechnics from time to time. Uh, they have to refill the... Uh, 
uh, the bordellos, if you will, of blood, right? Because they'll run out. Like sometimes yeah. they'll try and do a thing, and like somebody didn't fill the thing right, and like not enough blood. Yeah, will come out, you could tell that happened know? a couple of times. Yes. but there, there's all these uh, analog mechanics that go on at a guar show that no one is really aware of uh, until you watch. Uh, there's a documentary. Uh, that came out, I think it was last year. Hmm, Agu- I would love to Aguar watch that. documentary. I yeah. think I pinged you the link, but if not, I'll ping you again. It is hands down the best rock and roll documentary I've ever seen. And I'm not just saying that because I'm a Guar fan. Like the, the depth that they went to uh, and the ability of Guar to tell their story of how they do the things behind the scenes that make the show go, make yeah. it like, for my money anyway, hands down the best rock and roll documentary I've ever yeah. seen. And it is very impressive because the music is good you know they're they are skilled musicians very yeah so it's it's very impressive to have both simultaneously going on yeah you know like a, a lot of bands it's kind of like one or the other right so it's it's really interesting to have a band that's you know they they are very talented musically and they're also putting on a great show for heavy metal fans uh you might think that a band like slipknot yeah is theatrical rock Right. And to an extent, yeah, they are, they are, they are compared yeah. to, you know, every other metal band out yeah. there. But Guar is five, maybe ten times the theatrical production that Slipknot yeah. is. Uh, they put so much time and effort into their sets. Like even Iron Maiden themselves, and Iron Maiden's known for their elaborate sets. Yeah. Uh, they don't put as much into their craft as Guar does. And Iron Maiden themselves has said, yeah, we'd be crazy if we did what Guar does. Yeah. <laughs> so. I'm glad you had a good time. No, yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, no regrets. Really enjoyed it. No, no regrets. regrets. Actually, my my only regret, if I were to have one, which typically I don't, but it's one regret. There, there might be one, a maybe, was not going in sooner. We were kind of pre-gaming in the parking lot for a little bit, just As hanging out, whatever. Yeah, heavy metal parking lot for the win. Yeah, exactly. So, um, it, we did get there like about an hour early, whatever. If I would have known that Butcher Babies was going to be on first, because yeah. like we were really going for Guar and Butcher Babies, yeah. and like Arya's the one that bought these concert tickets. I was going with her friends. Like we were kind of like honoring Arya by going to this nice. show. Obviously, you know, like we we would love to go to the show either way. But like this was like very much. I don't want to like make it sound like she's dead, but like in her memory, you know, yeah. like we were like celebrating Arya yeah. as we were going to this concert. And Butcher Babies is Aria's favorite band. Right, yeah. I've seen Butcher Babies with Aria before. Awesome that. show. They are so like great, like talented, awesome. Both of the lead singer chicks are really hot. Like everything about them is great. Yeah. So what's I, the, I what's the one girl Alyssa or something? Uh, or? Heidi and um, uh, I'm blanking on the other chick's yeah, name. The, Heidi's the, the blonde one. The brunette is the one I'm thinking of. Is um. Uh, yeah. I can tell you in a second. I know her name, but we'll, I just we'll can't consult think of it the magic now. rectangle. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I just wish I caught their full set, but that, that's, I guess the only thing. How much of their set did you catch? Two, two or three songs. We, we were actually, we didn't realize cause we never would have suspected that Butcher Babies went on first. So we were like in line, you know, my friends are buying t-shirts. We're kind of just like meandering our way into the venue. And then one of my friends looks at me and is like, is that? Is that Butcher Babies playing? And then we're like, oh my gosh, get out of line. And we all like run. Because <laughs> we're trying to get t-shirts and stuff yeah. before it's right. a, a big long line. Yeah. So. It's uh, Carla yeah. Carla Harvey. Yes, Carla. Yeah. Yeah. She's smoking hot. Yep. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And they're both in their 50s. Uh, uh, I, yeah. 
I thought Carl. Well, I'm 51, so I thought I was older so than it's Carla. Okay, then. Well, they look they look like they're in their 20s. No, yeah, she looks I think like they, they 37 some, or something. They have some work done, but sure, doesn't take yeah. away from the fact that they're both smoking. Yeah. Uh, if you don't on. start smoking hot, the work really doesn't help all that much. That's, yeah. You just no, that look is fine. true, I, yeah. I am older than Carla. She was born in 76, so she's 46 years old. Okay. He- Heidi, I think, is in her 50s. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, at any rate... Thanks for the recap. And uh, again, thank you for the t-shirt. That's awesome. Yeah, of course. Uh, There's a number of people over the course of time who have gone to shows that I wasn't able to go to for various reasons that I've been like, hey, will you, will you give me a t-shirt? And they'll be like, sure. And then no. And like, I just assume that when I ask somebody that, that yeah. they're not going to deliver. So I was quite surprised. Well, and it, it was towards the end of the show when you asked me. So I was yeah. like, I will try. Like, yeah. I will go stand in line and see what they have left. But. You rock. You rock. Thank you. You're very welcome. Uh, so we started telling a story, no segue, uh, about this farmer who lives in an off-grid remote Appalachia uh, location. In Kentucky. Kentucky. With no government ID. And That's re- the part that got me. Like right there. Farmer, no government ID, Sold. off-grid. I got to hear yeah. about this guy. Yeah. Reveals what it's really like to survive without running water, electricity, or shoes as he tries to find a wife. That's the hard part. Uh, he's apparently the star of a new YouTube video. His name is Titus Morris. He's been living in a remote part of the Appalachian Mountains for eight years. Uh, no, uh, no life, no boat, no motor car, not a single luxury like Robinson Crusoe. It's primitive as can be. Uh, no Gilligan fans here, huh? No. Oh, holy cow. Showing my age. In an hour long- No, no, I'm a Gilligan fan. I just don't <laughs> recall the whole song. It's weird because that boat only goes like so far- but they're not that far away from the starting location. Three-hour tour. They got all the... Come on. Uh, in an hour-long documentary made by YouTuber Peter Santanello, Titus, this is the uh, the guy living off-grid, sheds light on what his day-to-day routine looks like with farming potatoes, doing laundry in the neighboring river, and feeding his horses being among his daily tasks. At one point, he reveals his monthly expenditures is around $140 and he makes a small income by training and shoeing horses. I actually show the picture of a guy, of the guy. He kind of looks like uh uh do you remember uh Highlander the first movie? Okay. Uh the not not the Highlander guy but the the bad guy. It was you know they ended up, you know, fighting at the end of the movie. Okay. He looks like that guy. All right. Uh but he's got like fuzzier hair and a big old beard, looks a bit Amish. Uh, and he's standing next to what looks like some sort of a cabin, maybe a mobile home or something. Uh, so apparently this guy uh, lives off-grid. His outgoings include $90 a month for a landline telephone. That's expensive that's, for a landline yeah. phone. Wait, wait. That's on-grid. Yeah, okay. The yeah, a landline Telephone would be... is on-grid. I'm sorry. That's... I think, yeah, having a cell phone would be less uh, on I the mean, grid. <laughs> I'm just calling, you know, hey, fake news, uh, fake headline, uh, 90 bucks a month for landline telephone, which has been installed in a shed by his trailer home so he can share it with a neighbor. He then spends around 20 bucks a month on food for his dogs, Sadie and Spartacus, and another 30 bucks on produce that he can't grow, such as bananas or Himalayan salt. After being brought up in a very religious family, Titus continued living as simply as possible. So no doubt a minimalist. You'd have to be. Uh, yeah. While his parents have a computer and electricity, he decided to take things back to basics even further. 
He says he lives in a similar way to the Amish community, but he does not follow their religion and practices Christianity instead. Adding to the mystery, he has no official form of identification. His parents got him a social security number as a child, but he never signed it and later decided to revoke it. Then then his birth certificate washed away in a flood, and he's never had a driver's license. He tells viewers, I don't exist in the eyes of government, but I do exist in the lives of people that know me and my father. That's more important. Yeah, that's amazing. That is like really taking it back to... I, just the reality of life, you know, like all of this made up government stuff, it's all crap. Like none of that is. is real. Yep. Yeah. It's de- it's designed to track you and your every move. And uh, they do so in ways that make even the former Soviet Union jealous. They would they would be like, oh, my God, you guys can do what? No, we have to have that now. Oh, my gosh. How did you get away with that? I mean, we mentioned it earlier with the January 6th footage. Yeah. Right. They they track people down to like, oh, I bought this T-shirt from this vendor and we're going to go ahead and get the receipt and gotcha. Yep. Uh, In terms of Titus home base, he lives on a 50 acre plot with about 20 acres being open pasture and the other 30 being wooded. At the beginning of the documentary, the outdoorsman gives viewers a quick tour of his small home. He explains it's a little messy as he has had a friend staying with him. The open plan home consists of a kitchen, dining space, and an area to sleep. While it has a normal kitchen installed, none of the appliances work, and Titus disconnected the electricity when he moved in. During the summer, he likes to cook on a wood-burning stove on his front porch as it gets too hot inside. Yeah, that's why grills are outside, because, you know, you don't want to heat up the house. In line with his religious beliefs, Titus does not eat any meat, and he never had any dairy or egg products growing up. So what the heck does he eat? Well, he, he was bananas. growing potatoes and yeah, fruits and vegetables. <laughs> potatoes and bananas, okay. He shows documentary maker Peter that one of his favorite meals consists of red potatoes, purple onions, and kale with a sprinkle of pink Himalayan salt for flavor. He says his plant-based diet has not impacted his athleticism, and throughout the documentary he demonstrates his strength doing everything from climbing trees to backwards rolling off his horse to scaling a rope into the loft of his barn. Titus also says he is in generally good health, and this year he hasn't been sick at all, not even a stuffy nose. He explains, my thought is, eat lots of healthy food, breathe deep fresh air, try seeing God, get exercise, and do things that strengthen your immune system, so then your immune system is strong enough to cope. Yeah, I mean, he's And if you're in isolation, you don't get COVID either. Yeah. There is a small outhouse as a toilet, and Titus has formed a dam in the creek. So a deeper pool of water serves as a bath. Oh. Guy can take a bath. This is fine during summer months, but during the winter it can get a little chilly. No kidding. Wow. Who'd have thought? I had, uh, we lost hot water at one point over this past winter. Yeah. Like over the weekend. Like, I Uh. still got to take a shower, man. Yeah. Yeah. And it was cold, but, you know, acclimated. After about five minutes or so. Yeah. I lost electricity like in mid-January for a couple of days. Okay. I think it was less, I think it was around 24 hours, but it was over the course of, like it went out in like, you know, 3 p.m. on one day and it didn't come back on until like 6 p.m. the next day or something. But it was below freezing, it was snowy out, and uh, the house is heated by electricity. So I had, um, I got one of these, uh, I think it's called a Mr. Heater Buddy. 
Okay. It's a little propane-powered heater. Nice. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it takes those little grenade-looking things of propane. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so one of them, you know, you close all the doors of the rooms you don't need to be in and sort of put yourself in the center of the thing. One of them heated up the place nice. The problem is you have to have ventilation. Okay. So you got to set it up. Like I set it up like on the counter near the window of the kitchen sink and just open that window so it had a constant influx of uh, oxygen coming in from the outside. Uh, the problem is those grenades don't last very long when you're heating, you know, 600 square feet or whatever yep. it was. Uh, so I went through, I think, six of those bastards being conservative oh, wow. with them. Okay. You know, using them mostly at night for, you know, Joel, okay, let it heat up. And then, you know, try and get some sleep, wake up three hours later and you're freezing, fire it up again and then go back to sleep and then wake up three hours later and it's freezing and fire it up again. More uh, blankets. Yeah. So, More body. I mean, I'm I, originally I'm a Wisconsin kid. I know how these things go. Like, I didn't even have to turn it on, but I just wanted to make sure the pipes aren't going to freeze. Yeah. I turned all the faucets on and everything like that a little bit. So, like, I was pretty confident that everything was going to go my way uh, because I had uh, winterized uh, all the systems and that before winter came in. Because again, I grew up in those you yeah. know, that kind of a you know the deal. environment. I know what the deal is. So, um, but still, I got caught without having. I mean, I had this backup, but it was barely enough to just yeah. go those two days. So this is why I'm a big fan of wood stoves. I installed one. Yeah, yeah. yeah after that, you did. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it just got installed this spring. Cool. Yeah, uh, tested Another it out. Great. It's a, what they call a pedestal stove, so it's not a traditional wood yeah. stove with like the claw feet and the the little round things that you can open up and that kind of a thing. But you can still cook on it. Oh, cool. There is a surface on it. Uh, it uh, the, the company that makes it, I can't remember the name of the company, but they actually sell accessories for it, like a, uh, uh, they call it a chicken steamer. Uh, it's just this um, stain, or it's a steel uh, cast, cast iron, iron. pot, uh, and you can put like a whole chicken in it, and it's got a cast iron lid that goes on top of it. It's like a slow cooker. Yeah, it's like a like a Dutch oven sort of thing. Yeah. A little different. It's closer to uh, a crock pot. Okay. Right, but without the electricity. Yeah. Right? It just sits on top of the wood stove and acts as a, a slow cooker in the same way a crock pot would. Hmm. So you just put your stuff in it, let it sit all day, and it's done when you're hungry. Hmm. Uh, they also have a, a teapot that you can for boiling water. Uh, they have an accessory you can attach to the bottom of the chimney where you just pour water into it, and then as you're burning wood or whatever... Uh, it will heat up this tank of hot water, so you can have hot water on tap. It's yeah. got a little little spigot on it, so you can nice. you know make tea or coffee with your hot water or whatever it is you need hot water for. Um, I've been around the wood stove, and it just messes with my sinuses too much. Yeah, yeah. Like, you got to make sure you have that uh, like a pot of water on it, so it doesn't get too dry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have that too. The the humidifier, also too. The place where I installed the wood stove uh, has two windows sort of towards the top of the ceiling. And then there's also a ceiling fan in there that is reversible. So if I do find myself in a position where, like, it's getting too smoky because it's clogged for some mm-hmm. reason, uh, or I need to ventilate for some, I can open those two windows, I can reverse the ceiling fan. Instead of pushing the heat down, I can draw everything up, and it'll shoot right out those windows. Summer cool. mode and winter mode right. on your ceiling fan. Right. Yeah. If you were wondering what that switch was for. Right. And I spit like I didn't even know they did that. You can like, buy ceiling fans. You can buy ceiling you know. fans that don't have that feature. Okay, right. So you can buy the one way it only pushes air down. Right. You can buy the and they're cheaper. Buy like ten bucks or something. Right. Five maybe. Right. It's spend not the money. Much. Yeah. Spend. Get and, like, the switch. I think the ceiling fan itself was like sixty bucks or something like that. So they're not expensive. Uh, the one I got has both manual and a remote control. So 
When I lose the remote, eventually I can still control it by getting out and walking over to the switch. Got to reach up and pull the string. 603-283-6160. Would you live uh, off-grid if you could? Like this guy in this story has. Take it away from the government? Yeah. Let us know. It's Free Talk Live. More coming up, including our number two story. Eleutheromania, the insatiable desire for freedom. It's the new three-song heavy metal EP from Captain Kickass. Available now on your favorite music app or get it directly from CaptainKickass.com. figure out what the letters and numbers translate into. But if your name starts with S, we're not taking your calls tonight. <laughs> um, in the studio tonight, it's myself, the Reverend Captain Kickass. Nikki. And Richie Rich. Uh, I want to remind everybody that's listening that uh, I did a three-song EP. Uh, you can find out more over at CaptainKickass.com. Uh, there's, uh, three songs on there. I'm selling a USB card that has all three songs. It's got all three music videos. It's got lyrics, it's got special features, bonus features, bonus videos, stuff like that. Uh, 20 bucks for the thing. I'm also selling the kick-ass bundle, which is a t-shirt, two packs of Captain Kick-Ass rolling papers, hundred percent hemp rolling papers and the USB card for 40 bucks. Nice. Uh, but the news is that the music videos are going to drop uh, a week from yesterday. So they'll be available in all the usual places for video, uh, Vimeo, YouTube, a uh, bunch of other different places. I'm also going to make sure they get put up on uh, the Reverend Captain Kickass YouTube channel, which has no, vi- I think it has one video on it right now, and that one video is just the demo of the USB card. Nice. Uh, I think I have two subscribers over there. So if you know if you're still on that platform, uh, I'm also going to figure out a way to put them on Odyssey. So whether it's on the Free Talk Live Odyssey or I start a different channel of my own or whatever or both, I don't I don't know how I'm going to do that yet. I'll figure that out this week. But uh, they will all be released on this coming Saturday. So nice. got that to look forward to. Those of you who have seen them know how good they are. Like I put a bunch of time and effort and. I got some help with creating these things. Um, I'm a fan of It's Time, of course, because that features the uh, Porcupine uh, Freedom Festival. Uh, what I like to call the, I call it the New Hampshire Liberty Chorus or something go. like I changed the name. I use different yeah. words every time. But it's basically we, we did the Porkfest photo, and there were supposedly 3,000 people at Porkfest that year. Uh, there's drone footage that was captured by uh, uh, a friend of ours. Uh, who was kind enough to let me use it in the video. So 
if you were there for the Porkfest picture and you chanted along with the field recording that I did of We Will Not Comply, you are on the record. And so that is also at the end of the video as well for a song called It's Time. So. But you're getting exposure, not royalties. Let's just be clear about that now. Right. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, and part of the reason there was a delay in in the videos was because the distributor wants everything to just, they want everybody to be cookie cutter. Like, you're an independent artist, here's what you get. Yep. They just want to, like, just, and they don't have any room for, like, negotiation because you're an indie artist. They're like, who are you? We don't care. You know, and I wanted everything to be sort of creative commons, right? You know, so I didn't get my way, but they are going to publish them. Uh, but I'm not going to sue anybody. So if you want to use parts of my video for whatever the heck it is you want, you want to sample my music, whatever, I don't care. Go ahead. I'm giving you permission right here, right now on this radio show. You can and encouraging this. it. Yeah. So, and uh, anyone who uh, says, uh, oh, well, uh, rah, 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 IP law and blah, blah, copyright and all that, uh, no, um, I actually published the entire EP uh, before it was officially released uh, at the end of uh, an episode of Beard Talk Live. So uh, if you happen to listen to that episode, you've already heard the songs. They're already out there. Uh, so, you know, there you go. Anybody who wants to challenge whether or not I'm serious about this IP stuff or not. Uh, that being said, uh, I would love uh, for folks to, you know, buy shirts, buy the USB card. Uh, you know, you get the uh, the rolling papers, which I just had those made. They're 100% hemp rolling papers, too. Uh, previously in another band that was like our top number one merchandise item. People were like, man, I still, <laughs> I still have the empty pack, man. It's sitting on a shelf That's awesome. along with my like go bots from when I was 10 or whatever. Right. You know? Uh, so, uh, I just decided that that would be a good piece of merch to put together. Um, I guess we'll go to your calls and thoughts. All right. You're on free talk live. Hey guys. So um, I'm calling in again because uh, we can tell about subjective value because you guys butchered the last subjective theory of value debate, just like every other debate. <laughs> okay, so the well, week, so hang remember, on, hang on, Scooter. Um, uh, we, so whenever whenever we, we try to have a debate with you, uh, and we ask you to like elaborate on something, like if we don't understand or we want our listeners to understand, uh, you always go, "Well, I don't want to talk about that right now." And then you try and move on. No, so, so here's here's how do. here's how debate works. Uh, one person gets to say a thing, and then another person gets it, to gets to rebut. Do you, do you understand yeah, that yeah, that's how debate works? So, I just want to make sure because you're you're saying that what we've been doing thus far has been butchering debates. We haven't been butchering any debates yeah. because debate okay. hasn't occurred because you so do not know how to carry on a conversation, as evidenced by you attempting to talk over me this entire time. Well, you just interrupted me, uh, but anyways... Um, so yeah, whose show is it? I, Who Did you call into my show, or did I call into your show? Yeah, but you can still have integrity by giving the, the opponent equal time. Okay, so look, the last time I interrupted you when I didn't want to give the, uh, the definition of, of, of a public good is because it takes 10 minutes to, to, this, to elaborate what a public good is. It's well, a distill it down for the audience. Definition. Sorry, I'm being interrupted again. What did you say, Distill Rich? it down for the audience. I, I can't like I'm not re I'm not I'm not a professor so I'm not ready so okay public good you want me to give a definition of public good at that last time I mean I don't know you I, called I in what are you calling about today subjective value so okay. last time you, you called in about this I have like an evergreen article from the Mises Institute oh, so somewhere right that that elaborates on the subjective theory of value specifically for you 
Um, and I've, I've, you know, I gave it well, to the captain. Um, I don't know if he's going to be able to pull it up right now, but at some point, we don't need that. We don't need that because I have quotes from Mises.org and, and other Mises lectures I can use. Okay. We don't. I don't need that evergreen article. So, okay. So before we start, um, I should have done this the first time, right? I should have stated what the subjective theory of value in terms of the Austrian school, right? So again, from okay. the Mises okay. from Mises.org, you can verify this. This. The subjective theory of value is a doctrine of value which advances the idea that the value of a good is not determined by any inherent property of the good, nor by the amount of labor required to produce the good. Who cares about that? That's the labor theory of value. Well, that's, they're instead, distinguishing that, it from the labor theory of value, but carry on. Yeah, that's not important, though. That's, I'm just saying that's not important because I'm not debating the labor theory of value. Uh, okay. uh, so the important part is... Uh, I'm lost now. Okay, so but instead, value is determined by the importance an acting individual places on a good for the achievement of their desired ends, right? And so my position is, value is objective. Okay. The mo- so they're saying value is in the mind, right? Well, okay. I, I have, I have. So you think value is objective? Uh, what is the value of the Captain Kickass EP? Of the what? The Captain Kickass EP. He just released an EP, three songs, three videos. What is the value? We're jumping here. I, I wanted to state my position, but we're getting into like my theory of value. Then, uh, sure. my theory, so the oh, well, you said so it's objective. Is, What's the objective value yes. of the Captain Kickass yes, EP? Value gets determined once you give me a, the goal at hand. So you give me a well-defined goal. The, the goal is to enjoy. Becomes determined. Yeah. The and, goal is to enjoy, entertained by the Captain Kickass. Three-song EP. Say that again. Sorry, you're talking over my last sentence. So the goal is to enjoy again. or be entertained by the Captain Kickass three-song EP. Okay, that would do, so that would depend on the person, and that's not subjective. So don't butcher the definition. Okay, of depend, subjective. Yeah. depends on the person is the definition of subjective. Okay, so let me. So let me. Yeah. Okay. So so. Uh, uh, Captain, you're Captain the only Gage one here that doesn't get that part of it. Wait, you wait, keep wait, saying wait. it, and then you don't only understand your own words. No, you don't. Okay, so Captain gave three definitions last time that were actually applicable. Okay, and I'm going to give them to you again. Okay, so again, values from the mind. That's what that's what it means to be subjective. It's determined and created by the mind, right? I have other quotes here from. Are, are you like, agreeing with that stuff. statement or refuting that statement? What statement exactly? Value the is created in the mind. mind. I am disagreeing with the values from mind, but you're using a different definition for subjective. You're saying subjective means different from person to person. That is, that is not the same thing. Okay. Are you listening so, to me? Va- okay, because let's use, you, hold on. You're saying that uh, our, the subjective value definition that you would like to use is that value is created in the mind. And you're yes. disagreeing and you would it's like to refute that statement. not different from person to person. Because things, things can differ from person to person that aren't created by the mind. Like foot size, eye color, even time, like relativistic time. Uh, all Hometown, all these things differ from person to person but are not created by the mind. But those like, are not relevant to value. Yeah, but those differ from – I'm showing the difference between subjective thing, uh, diff, things that differ from person to person that aren't subjective. Right. Uh, so on, on the Venn diagram, right, there, there are things that differ from person to person and things yes. that are created in the mind, right? Yes. And, and, and foot would be, size – that would make subjective things a subset of uh, things that di- and things it would be a subset of both. Differ from person to person when it's subjective, even subjective like, theory value is where those circles overlap. Value. 
What was that? Subjective theory of value is where those circles overlap. Right? We're talking they, about subjective and things that differ from person to person. The, the term subjective only, not value. We're talking subjective. So subjective is a, is a subset. Like, even if it is a subset, I don't even think it might be even a subset. Well, but let's say it's a subset. On that for a moment, then. That, sorry, what was that? I said you should stew on that for a moment then because it's it's – uh, relevant no, to the discussion. No, you should. I, I, already, I already know this stuff. I did this stuff eight years ago when Do I created though? my own value theory. Because well, we're that. having to go through like the definition of subjective versus objective. I'm about to give it to you, and I already stated one form of it. I'm get to, I'll give you three alternate ones that Captain gave last time. I don't need and the ones I'll, that I'll Captain gave last time. I want to know how it applies to the value of the Captain Kickass three-song EP. If it's not, if the oh, value oh. of Captain Kickass is three-song EP is not subjective and has objective value based on you're its ability about, to provide entertainment. Yeah, you're, so you're, you're talking about, uh, so, uh, you talk, this is subjective, right? You, you, gave, you gave an example of something that is subjective, uh, which is the enjoyment that one experiences in one's brain, right? But there are other things, there are a lot of things like goods, like the value of uh, that Tacoma truck that he talked about. But it is that a good. Is not, it's a, that it's is a not CD. That is determined by the mind. That is determined by the inherent properties of that truck. No. If that truck no. is going to grenade on you once you get on the freeway, its value is was not what you expected it to be. You have to distinguish between expected value, which is subjective, right? When you formulate what you expect is going to happen after you, before you purchase or even after you purchase that truck, if you are if you are in the market value, for a Tacoma not, truck, that is not value. If you are in the market for a Tacoma truck, there is a price you are willing to pay for that truck. Right? Okay, if you are not you go, in the market for a Tacoma truck, the value would go down significantly. Right? Well, like someone in the market for a Tacoma to truck might pay thirty thousand for it. But if you're not in the market first, for a Tacoma truck, you may you will not pay thirty thousand for it. But if someone goes like, Hey, I'll give it to you for a grand, right? All of a sudden it becomes a different value proposition. First off, you are confusing you're confusing the whole topic by introducing price. Price theory is a corollary to subjective value. You don't need to introduce it. You're you're only confusing uh, probably the people in your echo chamber in your studio right now, right? Not, the only this person confused I, about I this is like, you. Yeah, we're we're all no, on board. Price, I mean, it's just price is a how specific, we assign value. Yeah, exactly. So, so it's a specific. You don't have to introduce price, right? You, you, so you only confuse the, you only conflate things and confuse things by introducing price, right? We're talking. We're just talking about like the value of your expectations. Well, the, the value so the value like, for the Captain Kickass EP is entertainment and happiness. How much entertainment yeah, and happiness I mean, do you get for it? That that is a, that is a subjective good right there. So I know. that is something where that's, it's that's the, why it has subjective but not value. All goods are subjective, though. You picked one that is subjective. I picked two now so I far. Picked one. What was that? I picked Man, two so talking. far. I got I got the Captain Kick EP and Tacoma trucks. Yeah, yeah. The Tacoma truck is not subjective. It absolutely so is. And I've already explained why. It's not subjective because it depends on the the properties of that truck and how it, it's used. It, you're correct, and and some people value it differently than others. Right. That does not make it subjective. That's the, absolutely the, what makes it subjective. It's useful. You got wait. You, stop interrupting me. Its usefulness comes from it, the inherent pro- of how good that engine and all its transmission and uh, suspension is. Those are right? factors that, that would play into in how, why mind. someone values it. Right. I'm just like. 
kind of confused why he calls Bye-bye. in every night. Bye-bye. To just like yell at us and get like really, really flustered. And then like we'll call in and be like, so because last night I completely owned you guys in that sick debate. I, we're, <laughs> like, <what> we're, you- <laughs> we're living rent free in this guy's head. Is what's happening, and uh, but if the engine grenades on you, then it, it, it doesn't have any value. Like it's got resale value for the other parts. Depends if somebody needs parts. Yeah. If somebody needs parts, right? Those parts yeah. have a value to the person who needs parts. The value is lower to the person who doesn't need parts, and that difference is what we'd call subjective value. Influenced by or based on personal beliefs or feelings. Rather than based on facts is the definition of subjective. What is the definition of subjective value? Uh, there are no results for subjective value. Because it doesn't exist. And that's what I've been trying to tell you for 18 months now on every single call that I make every week, Captain. There uh, is no subjective value. He, he's told us before. He, he already no. knows this. He doesn't need to tell us. He gave it to us again. No, I don't. And I used it. I used his own definition to make two separate cases. I, I, I'm i not disagreeing with you at all. Like, I appreciate that. I, Nick and I are just sitting here looking at each other going, This I, guy's a moron. <laughs> Richie Rich has got this in hand. He'd be uh, a typical adjective moron, but I can't say that on Free Talk Live. And, uh, you know, uh, rather than, uh, you know, interrupting him more or him interrupting us more, we're just like, okay, well, let's let's see where this thing goes. And. Man, I mean, like, we're on board, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. your examples are spot on and, like, obvious uh, examples of I try to use simple, adi- yeah. I try, simple, simple examples that the listeners can relate to. Yeah. Well, it, while giving I Captain think, a plug on his three-song EP. The, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the other funny part of it is he's like, well, you guys are in an echo chamber, which it, that actually might be true. Sure. But the, the funny part is we get several callers that call in to say that they don't like him and he's an idiot. I've never had a caller that I've heard on the show call in to support him. So. Because he doesn't have an echo chamber. I guess. According to the subjective theory of value, by assuming that all trades between individuals are voluntary, it can be concluded that both parties to the trade subjectively perceive the goods, labor, or money that they receive as being of a higher value to the goods, labor, or money they give away. So the only key takeaway from that little definition is perceived. Right. Right. So in Scooter's example, you perceive the Tacoma to be $30,000. Right. Right. The guy with the Tacoma goes like, I'd rather have $30,000. So I'll take the money, you take the Tacoma, and then it grenades on you down the street. Right. You are out your $30,000. He is up $30,000, but out a truck. Right. And you are now out a truck as well. So you've lost perceived value. But in but the trade would not have occurred more than likely if you knew that the car was going to going to grenade, and that's a buyer beware situation, right? Or yeah. an insurance situation, right. right? Right? Or warranty if you're buying from warranty, like a yeah, whatever. Or something. There yeah. there are ways to mitigate that risk, right? In the free market right. and in the you know unfree market as well, right? Without the state intervention, right? You don't need like yeah. lemon laws or a three day right of rescission, you know that kind of stuff. You don't need that stuff because you can bake that into the the actual exchange process, right? You don't need it. I, you know, I, I don't think there ought to be a law, um, but I, I. But do, that's that's I'm something in, you would I'm negotiate. In favor, yeah, I'm in favor of protections, right? Yeah, like like if I'm buying said Tacoma from a dealer yeah. at thirty grand, I want something in the sales contract 
uh, assuming I'm financing it and get to right. pay you know pay a monthly installment to pay this thing off. I ain't got thirty grand sitting around. Um, that I would want something baked into the sales contract that says three day rate of rescission. Yep. You know, if it grenades within X, you know, warranty kicks in something along those lines. Yep. Right. Something to cover me and protect me from that. There's no reason for a law to be made that, you know, supposedly protects you from that when you could just bake it into your actual sales yeah. process. And they would be incentivized to bake it in when they realize that they're not getting as many sales as they otherwise could. Right. Because the dealership down the street is baking it in. Right. Yeah. As soon as that competition kicks in, they're like, oh, we better up our game. We better right. innovate or or we're going to go out of business. And, that's- and, and the reason that someone would go to the dealer down the street and not your dealership is guess what? Subjective theory of value. The theory holds that one can create value simply by trading with someone who values the items higher without necessarily modifying them. Wealth is understood to refer to individual subjective valuation of their possessions and voluntary trades may increase the total wealth in society. This is because each participant of the voluntary transaction has gained more value than they originally had. Right. Which, of course, again, is subjective to the individual. Scooter is probably mistaking value with utility. Oh, you might be onto something. And I'm not just talking drugs. Like, you would value that Tacoma truck because of the utility of it. Right. Right, the engine, the tow power, the horsepower. Right. Right, the, the load. Does it have a winch? Can it tow? Right. Right, four-wheel drive, whatever. Yeah. Right. And that, that gives that gives utility to the object. Yeah. Right, and could in could impact the way you value it. Uh, but I'm not in the market for a winch on a pickup truck. Right? Like, I went, I went shoe shopping once. And I was with a buddy of mine, and he, he did the head shake because, you know, Rich acts like Rich. I go, like, give me, the, like, the cheapest pair of runners you got. And the guy, like, gives me the cheapest pair of runners, and he puts, like, a, you know, super expensive insole in, in there. And he goes, like, try these on. These, like, Manny Pacquiao insoles. I'm like, get those out of here, man. I'm not buying Manny Pacquiao insoles. I don't care how, you know. Yeah. I had no value yeah. for Manny Pacquiao insoles. Right. And the guy was like, what? Like, you don't even, you, these are, like, the best. You don't even try. Like, get them out of here, man. I'm paying like 50 bucks for some runners, <laughs> and your shoe's are already 50 bucks. I'm not spending 70 to get $20 insoles in right. there. Yeah. Like, I don't value those. Right. That sales tactic might work on like Manny Pacquiao fans, yeah. but it doesn't work on me. Yeah. So just sell me the runners. They fit. My feet are comfortable. Yep, that's They're it. not slipping. I'm good. The utility, right? My feet are comfortable. They don't slip. They're within my price range. Yep. Right? That's how I valued it. Yep. But it was my value. Someone else might throw in like, God, oh, yeah, we got those Pacquiao insoles. I'll take them. Right. Yeah. I have also, as I got older and, you know, feet problems and back problems, yeah. thrown like $80 insoles into a pair of Crocs. Right. Right? Yeah. Because like- I Now need they're the comfy. Su- now they're comfy. <laughs> and I need the support. Yeah. And you derived uh, more value out of that. I did. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the theory suggests that items cannot be objectively valued as any value placed upon the item is only correct if both the buyer and the seller agree on the price and a transaction takes place. A seller may value an item in their possession higher than any buyer will value. It's leading to either a price reduction until the item's price equals a buyer's value of the item, or the seller would continue to value the item higher than any buyer, and no transaction will occur. So you also need price. 603-283-6160. Have you had a transaction where you got less value than what you wanted? Give us a call. Let us know. Free Talk Live. On Free Talk Live, we're bringing people to the ideas of liberty every day. 
from wrestling superstars like Glenn Jacobs. You guys really are having an impact, I believe. Like I said, uh, a lot of where I am now is due to listening to Free Talk Live. You changed my mind on some very important issues years ago. To random people tuning in on the radio. I was kind of stuck in the left-right paradigm. I heard your show by chance on a Saturday night. From there, I went on doing the Free State Project and become an amplifier. So, I mean, that's really the reason why I amp is uh, because I know that if it wasn't for you guys being on as many stations as you are, I never would have found the ideas of liberty. You can help more people hear the message of liberty by joining Free Talk Live's AMPS program on Patreon for as little as $5 a month. And you'll get access to special perks. Visit amps.freetalklive.com, amps.freetalklive.com. And we're back. <laughs> Excellent patience exhibited by. Uh, it's like a dog waiting for a treat. We'll chair you in two. Yeah, by seat number two. Speaking of number two, our number two story is coming Ooh. up. Uh, but before we go there, uh, this is Free Talk Live. The telephone number is 603 283 6160. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for listening. In the studio, it's me, Captain. Nikki. And Richie Rich. Uh, this hour of Free Talk Live is brought to you by Dash Digital Cash. Dash is the cryptocurrency designed to be used for spending. In addition to being one of the world's first cryptocurrencies, Dash was the first crypto project to have a decentralized autonomous organization that to this day continues to improve and promote Dash. Every month, 10% of the mining rewards go into a treasury. Anyone with one Dash to spend can put forward a proposal to the Dash masternodes to vote on. These masternodes vet the proposals and decide which ones move forward and are funded by the Treasury. In fact, that's exactly how we got this sponsorship. Nowadays, DAOs are plentiful, but Dash paved the way by doing it first nearly a decade ago. Dash is one of the oldest cryptocurrencies and is widely available on exchanges and in multi-crypto wallets. It's easy to get, easy to use. Start by learning more at Dash.org. Thank you to the Dash DAO for sending us 32 Dash per month to promote Dash on the air. Visit dash.org to learn about Dash. That's dash.org. All right. Uh, we got some callers on hold. Let's go to Jerome in South Carolina. Trump train. $787 million. Is this the Fox payoff again that you bring up like every week for like two months now? Seven hundred and eighty-seven million dollars. How much money is that? Seven hundred and eighty-seven million dollars. Like you just said it twice. More money. More money. More money. Jerome, are you a broken record? Can you imagine just having that kind of money lying around to pay a fine? Like, okay, we'll pay it. How are you so dumb that you go along with a fool? Who makes you pay out? Who are you calling dumb? You calling us dumb? You have to pay it out. We didn't go along with anything. What are you talking about? He he tells the lies, and you got to pay the price. How do you like that? Well, that's that's how politics works. The politicians tell the lies, and then you pay the price via taxation. Not for seven hundred eighty-seven damn million dollars, I don't. Well, no, but 
you know. Ain't no Democrat ever cost a hey. There ain't no Democrat ever cost a TV network that kind of money. Because if he has, not even. No, Bill I don't know Clinton if that's true. Over a BJ, not even Bill Clinton over a BJ cost anybody money like that. None of them. No. Well, you None. you, you, you got to know too that seven hundred eighty-seven million dollars today in twenty twenty-three is well probably only worth uh, half of what it was uh, in the Bill Clinton day. And now, and now, and you mean like we care that Fox News had to pay the money? Yeah, we we don't actually care. I know you don't. So I then, why are you telling? Why don't you call us about something because we care it about? It makes me feel good. It makes me feel good. It makes me well, feel good. Is that because what we're here for? We got people here in Charleston. The, make, make your own feel good show. They don't want to talk to me. They got because we got people in Charleston here who's scared of me. They don't want to talk to me. They're scared They're of you. Scared. They're scared of me. Yeah. Why you you might talk them to death? No, because they're Republicans and I'm not, and they don't want to hear the truth. Wait, where are you they at? South Carolina is South Carolina full of Republicans? You damn right. Hey, did they just had Trump here? Was Last night, some some uh, goofy elephant event they put on with uh, with the clown Governor McMaster, Master Blaster on, hugging and kissing Trump ring and kissing his toes. So then, why don't you yeah. move to a more uh, Democrat friendly place? Look, it's like I told you. I live here because my mom lives here. I love yeah. my mother. My mom's buried here. So... I miss her every day. I'm not moving. Because I get a chance to go and see her whenever I can. I go and visit her grave because I miss her every day. Uh-huh. Okay, my mom is the only woman in my whole life. Not saying that I'm like a playboy or anything, but no woman I ever been involved with has ever told me they love me. Okay, I believe and I that. I don't lay down in bed with them. I never laid down in bed with my mom. Okay, and, and, and had. As, as a weird term. Yeah, say, this, this segment has taken a sudden turn. Go ahead, Drew. Relations, as, as, as the Crumps from that movie, the Crumps, relations, I don't see nothing wrong with relations. My mom's the only woman that ever told me she loved me. Timber's very day. You yeah, know what, Jerome? Before she passed away, let me finish. Before she passed away, she told me, you're all I got and I all you got. And I hold on to that for forever, Okay. Jerome, okay. I want to tell my you something. Don't me, do it. My mom asked me, why aren't you You ruined the special relationship with his mom. My mom That's asked me. That's just mean. You know what I told her? Because I could never find somebody like you. That's why. That's why I'm not married. Oh. And I don't intend that to That almost married. sounds toxic. A little bit. But no, Jerome, I want, to, I want to tell you, I do really like you, and I wish that you friend. wouldn't... no seriously i wish you wouldn't let politics like take up so much space in your head because i feel like you would have so much more peace in your heart and so much more happiness in your life if you just like never worried about republicans or fox news ever again and i know well i i know it can be hard because you know obviously politicians are you know destroying the universe and, you know, controlling a lot of what we do. And it, it can be hard to ignore, but I feel like you'd be so much more happy if you just, like, turned off the TV or, you know, like, no, found a different hobby. You know why I'm angry? You know why I'm angry? Because Mitch McC- Bitch McConnell once said to Barack Obama, we're going to do everything we can to destroy you. And when they said that to him, it was like he said it to me. So now look what it has. So like this is proving my point though. Everything you just said, Nikki, just over his head. Yeah. 
Yeah, I mean, you're right about Mitch McConnell. Like, he sucks. But that's why I don't think about him. The only time I think about Mitch McConnell is when somebody makes a funny meme. About Mitch McConnell. Uh, yeah, like making fun of him. <laughs> right. That's the only time I, like, forget he exists. Right. Like, 99% of the time. We had a, we had a social gathering uh, before the show tonight. And uh, some people were talking about, uh, I don't even know who, some politician. Like, oh, man. And now, you know, what do you think about the blah, blah, blah situation? And I'm like... I have no idea who this person is or what this situation might be, but this person seemed to think that everybody knows about yeah. this somehow. And that's kind of the vibe yeah. I get from Jerome. Jerome thinks yeah. that, that everybody is aware of all the things that he's thinking about, but that's not true. You're so you're so deep into this soap opera called politics, man. Hey, that- I was once told by someone that I live in my own universe. And to some point, that may be true. I mean, but we all I do to a point. I was going to ask you a question. If right. you put Jack Smith and Donald John Trump in a, in a room and say, okay, let's have a fist fight, who do you think's walking out of that room? I don't I'll even know who Jack Smith is. Yeah, Jack who, Smith. who the heck's Jack, Jack Smith? Jack Smith will whip his ass from one end of the room to the other. Who's Jack so Smith? He hides behind his lawyers and he talks trash. But let, let's, hey, let's go into a room and fight this out like a couple of men. Let's yeah, that's, that's not really what, what we're Who is Jack here. Smith? Yeah. Uh, the guy that's uh, um, you know, trying all this stuff. Oh, the prosecutor. Yeah. Okay. Oh, I see. War crimes. This guy's tried war criminals. Okay. Don't tell me he ain't a badass. He's tried war criminals. Uh, okay? He's not a badass. He is a agent. He is an agent of violence. Yeah. And he hasn't the tried the biggest war the criminals, worst. which is all the other former presidents, including Donald. Trump. You know. For all the hell Clinton got over Monica Lewinsky, that don't even uh, and uh, and Kennedy caught over letting our mom uh, the Chappaquiddick deal, you know, letting that woman die like that. Yeah, this, it's kind of a big this deal. This thing with Trump, it, oh, it's a big deal. It's a big. It ruined his life. It ruined his career. He could never run for president because every time he ran, it brought that up. Okay. Yeah. Imagine what it did to he that girl and her family. He didn't, get, he didn't get punished criminally, but he suffered, you know, in some kind of way, and now he's gone. Yeah. All right? Should have been punished and criminally. Just like Robert Blake. Just like Robert Blake, who murdered his wife, and now he's gone. Someday you're going to have to you go, you go have to pay the piper, man. When you do wrong, someday you're going to have to pay the piper. Yeah. And Trump's getting away with all this for now. But someday, because he's 77 years old, he's going to have to pay it. He's gonna have to pay the price. He's gonna die before anything happens to him, Jerome. Like nothing is gonna happen to him. This is just dog and pony show. He's already pre-martyred himself. Yeah, this is all dog and pony show designed to keep you glued to the television, and it's doing a great job. Thanks for the call, Jerome. Six zero three two eight three six one six zero. We'll entice you with the story to make sure you listen to the commercials. That's. I mean, that's all this is. Uh, This is. The same thing that the WWE puts out. No, no, it's watch. not okay. because that is way more entertaining. That is true. Okay, but the formula <laughs> is the yeah. same. Yeah. Right. When when the WWE when when SmackDown is over, right, the good guys and the bad guys uh, they go backstage and they and they party together. They drink. Yeah. When when the television gets turned off. The Democrats and the Republicans go behind the scenes and they party and drink together. Yeah, sacrifice, children, same thing.
party, oh, you know, whatever, whatever they're doing, right. adrenochrome, they're, 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 blood infusions. They yeah. only put forth the illusion that they are on a different team. They are indeed on the same team, and that's the team that wants to control and dominate you and take your value without your consent. And they got the Trumpanzees fooled into thinking he's not one of them. They do. Yeah. Yeah. Totally is. Yeah, that's true. Uh, let's go to more of your calls and thoughts. Uh, I believe this is Major Payne calling from Michigan. Major, you're on Free Talk Live. Good evening, folks. Yeah, um, do you do you guys need me to send you like a screen repair kit or a can of yard guard or something? About 20 minutes ago, all I heard on the radio was... Skeeter. Hey, damn, bothersome Skeeter. Yeah, we could, <laughs> we, we could he use... Can uh, dynamite, he can dynamite some logic, dude. I'm telling you what. I had a thought in my head. He just blew it right out my ear. <laughs> yeah, uh, if you want to send a, a case of Raid or something... Uh, or some of those uh, citronella, citronella tiki torches, or something. I'm, I, I'm not yeah, sure. Yeah. I, I always called them the Cinderella candles. I thought that was kind of funny. Cinderella candles. But um, you guys were talking about well drilling earlier. Remember you back in New Mexico there when you was a youngin? Yep. And uh, I actually have used divining rods on more than one occasion, and they do work. Explain they it to work. me. How does we, that work? We, well, we, We've got a lot of aquifers here in Michigan, so, you know, groundwater's pretty plentiful. It's usually not more than a couple hundred feet deep, but, uh, yeah, I can always get them to cross generally not marching 50 yards on a property. Okay. is Help me out, because to me, it's always been voodoo, and I want to understand the science. Well, it's just the magnetic pull of the earth. You got, you, you, you are the ground. And you bend these rods and you hold them very loosely in your hands. And then you just walk real slow with them about a foot apart or so. You generally got about an 18-inch set of rods, you know, with plus the bend-down part, so maybe two foot to start with. And uh, as you get over the magnetic pole of the water, the damn things just cross. It, it is voodoo and magic, but right. it works. Yeah, the the idea is is that the earth is magnetic. Okay. And the water flowing across uh the magnetism of the earth creates a slight disturbance and that's what causes the rods to move. Okay. That's the idea as I understand it. All right. Yeah, there's there's a section in Michigan way north to here or just a little bit north to here that's Preskill and it's giant slabs of limestone, right? And there's there's quarries all over here. Hell, we make all kinds of cement. Mm-hmm. But um, when you hit a pocket between a couple of these giant rocks, those things will just jump together. Is there a way to, like, they, test they that theory in a lab setting? Hole. They found a magic hole where you can actually put a straw in, you know what I mean? Is there, uh, Richie Rich was asking, is there a way to test uh, divining rods in, like, a lab setting? Like, can I fill it, can I make two small divining rods and put, like, a cup of water under the table, right? And then like slowly push the rods across the table. That's, and... no, that's not, that's not going to have the magnetic pull of the earth. Okay. Richie, all you got to do is get a couple of welding rods, you know, brazing rods. You know what I'm talking about? For no, I'm not a welder. Code? Well, anyway, just a couple of good, high-quality steel rods. Bend them just so you got a couple upright handles. 
put them loosely in your hands, and go walk around someplace. Check it out yourself, dude. Well, I'm also not going to drill a well just because the, the, the streams cross, right? Like no, but, well, no, but you could witness the rods moving in your hand as you I walk would be- across a, a, understood. a piece of land. I would believe that the rods would move just by the variation in the vibration of human beings naturally, mm. right? Like everything is always in motion, right? So you, you put two things in your hand, your hands are never going to be completely still, right? They're going to wobble at whatever they do, right? Like you put your hand down, it's always shaking ever so slightly. So it's going to do, those rods are going to vibrate and they're going to do what it, the rods do. And my contention is, again, more like voodoo, at some point they're going to cross. Yeah. No, well, we are low-voltage machines. We are the ground. Okay. To this apparatus, right? And when it comes And when it comes into the polarity of the water, that's when they cross. Okay. I don't, I, like I said, I don't, you, I don't think you can do this with a, a cup of water underneath your kitchen table, a couple of rods on top. Understood. But it's, if I go out walking, it's, I'm it's, not it's, going it's, to actually it's, dig a well where they cross. I don't I don't have that kind of authority in, or, nor the land. What you could do, though, is, uh, uh, you know, I don't know, call a well drilling company and, hey, do you guys use divining rods? I'd like to witness this at some point. That is true. Right. And, uh, you know, I'm writing a paper or something or I do a talk yeah. radio show. Right, I'm doing some research, something like that. See if they take you along for a ride along one day. All right. You know, uh, and then, you know, film that. But if if it crosses and they dig and there's nothing, right, that, that would be falsifiable enough for me. Right. Right. Like, you know, like you said, they did, they did it like seven times. Okay. Did they find water all seven times? I don't know. Okay. Like, I that, that would be my question. I know they found water one time, at least. At least once. Yeah. Right, and and that could be happenstance. It could be you know the the aquifer or whatever is long enough or wide enough or has enough area in the ground, mm. right? That they could have dug fifty yards away where yeah. the where the where the rods didn't cross and still hit the same aquifer. They well, just happen to dig here because that's where their hands vibrate. I would the rods just together. think that they wouldn't be using it. If it were like such low probability well, that it works, the, you know the what thing I mean? is that the one time that I saw, you know, the guy holding the divining rods and they moved as he's walking across the plane and that's where they decided to drill was after having used their other electronic equipment to attempt to find a place to drill Got it. and having no luck. And because they didn't have luck already, they were like, well, let's bust out the divining rods, yeah. you know. And they used that, and then they drilled there, and then they eventually hit water. They had to go pretty deep, but again, it was the desert, so like you know, go figure. And and to your point, real quick, Nikki, uh, lobotomies were once part of regular medical science. Yes, All right. So- yeah. I mean, <laughs> and then they realized it didn't work, and they stopped using it. I'd right. rather have this bottle in front of me than a frontal lobotomy. Yes, aquifers do rise with the land. I don't know if you guys have ever paid much attention to the hillsides, especially out west, but about halfway up, you'll usually find a green band. And uh, that is where the aquifer has risen to the top, and the hill's probably there Mm -hmm. because of some kind of plate tectonics, which gave the water a passage to get that high. Right. So So drill a well near a hill. The first First rule of finding water is start where it's green, especially if you're in some place where it's brown. Right. Like that seems verifiable. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of why well, I, I asked about a, the cactus, kind of a, right? I got a kind of a funny well driller story for you. This oh, is boy. when I was about, I don't know, 
Can't 30 wait. years old. I played with divining rods and punching wells and such. I was out, and uh, a well company was out punching a well. We just built a like a $2.5 million house on Lake Michigan, and he's out there with his gizmo banging the pipe and whatnot, and he's down in the pit. And I walk over, and I'm observing for a second, and I look at him, and I says, hey. He says, yeah. I says, tell me. I've always heard this, but I've never known the answer. I says, exactly how cold is a well digger's ass? And he says, 42 degrees, without batting an eye. That's the temperature of groundwater. Oh, my God. Mater, thanks for the call, man. 603-283-6160. Let's go to this unscreened caller. Uh, what's your name, please? Jerkface McEffingstash. Hey, Jerkface. You're on Free Talk Live. What's on your mind? Hey, I wanted to give a recommendation to Jerome to YouTube Boys on the Tracks. Fantastic little documentary. A lot of people have covered it. It's really great. It's about the Clintons. You'll enjoy it. No, he won't. <laughs> also, right. unfortunately, I don't think he actually listens to the show because it seems that he doesn't understand what we believe in at all. You know, like he catches like glimpses of it while he's on hold, maybe. And, and then he, he's like, oh, they're Republicans. And like he doesn't not. really listen to us while he's on the line either. Yeah. Right. Like he'll say something and then he'll shut up enough for us to say something back. And then he won't even address what we just said. Yeah. Like he didn't even hear it at all and just move on to the yeah. next thing. Dang. Because what, we platform. Uh, that's him. unfortunate. What What was the name well, of that documentary, though, Jerkface? It's called Boys on the Tracks. Okay. It is fantastic. It is compelling. You sit through four hours of somebody explaining it to you, and you are just riveted. It's great. That's I, a big I, Yeah, like four hours. Like, I mean, does anybody even have a four hour attention span these days? I feel well, like. They, they got hour long ones. Okay. Like, you know, like you, you can see it all over the place. But really, what I was calling. That sounds like was, something uh, Skeeter needs when he calls into this show. Just yeah, give me four I, hours Skeeter, without interrupting me, and I will lay uh, everything out for you. Skeeter had a fantastic like uh, subject tonight, which was reputation wallet and how a free market would adopt a reputation wallet, what it would look like, and all that other kind of stuff. And I was just calling to ask your opinion on a reputation wallet for commerce. It was a great segue for something that didn't happen, but go ahead. <laughs> well, I mean, he gets totally logged down with definitions between Keynesian theory and Austri Austrian theory, economics, and then everybody starts arguing because no one's speaking the same language. What is a reputation wallet? So a reputation wallet is like you're doing business with or, or for somebody, and uh, as you're doing business with them, whatever, they, they mark your reputation um, for that business transaction, able to upload it to oh. a smart contract or blockchain or something like that. So I'm in the minority here because in in my general opinion, there is no functional difference between your reputation wallet, uh, the libertarian reputation score, and the Chinese social credit system. Ooh. I don't like, know if I'd go ooh, that far. Nice. Right, but I would. <laughs> because all three are fundamentally designed to modify individual behavior to conform with societal norms. Wow. Yeah, that that's kind of powerful. Uh, I, I'm I'm sort of for it. I, I do cosplay uh, leftists every now and again, and I'm kind of for it uh, for transactions and fraud and stuff like that. Um, I've experienced a lot of fraud around my community, having people walk off with other people's Bitcoin after agreeing to do stuff. Yeah. And. Yeah, reputation would go a long way with uh, grievances and, and settling that and maybe hitting arbitration eventually. 
Yeah. Uh, but uh, I, I do see. And that's how the Chinese score started. Yeah, I, I do see in a world of tyrants how this could go downhill quickly. So I'm not totally against you there. So uh, before uh, the idea of tracking reputation, how did reputation spread? How did somebody know uh, if you were a reputable person to do business with or not? Well, most people lived in small towns and didn't move very far, and it was all word of mouth. But now and, we're and then someone a left town. Economy. And yeah, then someone left town. Right, he got run out of town, and he had to rebuild his reputation somewhere else. Yep. So I'm wondering and about that, the whole reputation wallet idea. If, say, you know, if maybe I, I have a fight with Captain, like, I don't like him anymore. I'm going to trash him. Would I be able to just, oh, yeah, make up some some stuff about him? Like, oh, yeah, we had this transaction that never actually occurred. Mm. He, you know, he screwed me over on it. Like, I'm just wondering if there's the possibility for people to not be entirely honest with this That's sort like of thing. Most of Amazon reviews and Yelp yeah. reviews right. are for trades that never occurred. Well, now yeah, they make absolutely. you verify. Sometimes. So with, with Amazon, as far as I know, they make you, or or there's an option like you can verify your status as, you know, a, a, a real purchaser with your order number. Well, uh, Jerkface, you want to hang on? Yeah, yeah, I'll hang on. All right, stand by. We'll, we'll bring you back. 603-283-6160. Uh, I would like to talk about the, the Darknet reputation score of the Silk Road when we come back. This is Free Talk Live. The Sunday Night Edition. More coming up. Free Talk Live. I feel like he shouldn't get to control the mute buttons when he's doing it. Yeah. I, what are you t- I understand what's... I, and I don't even understand what's going on. All right, I think... Unless he double checks it to um, unmute it properly. I, yeah, I, I got a little button crazy there. Yeah, getting carried away over there. Yeah. Might have to call in the producer. <laughs> <laughs> no, not the producer. It's Free Talk Live. The telephone number is 603-283-6160. Carry on, my wayward son. Why don't you get your ass off the couch and get a damn job? Wow. Hippie. Those are not the lyrics. Well, actually, it's the lyrics for the Guar cover. Oh. Of Carry On. You would know that if you were at the Guar concert. (laughs) No, you would know that if you saw... I actually didn't even go. This was all a... A, a joke, a lie. If you saw Guar's appearance on the AV Club, where they actually cover that song, if you've never seen it, you should look that did, up. Wait, did you see? Are you familiar with NPR's Little Desk? Yes, Tiny Desk. Yeah, yeah Guar, Tiny Desk. Guar did a, a yeah Tiny Desk. It's hilarious. It's, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. It's the best Tiny Desk ever. Yeah, in my opinion. And I've seen a bunch. Snarky Puppy did. Yeah, a Tiny no, I desk really and, enjoy yeah. those. I hate NPR. That's the only yeah. thing they do. That's Tiny good. Desk is like yeah. yeah, you're right. That's the only thing that they do that's worthy. Uh, Free Talk Live listeners, we are asking you for a favor. As you perhaps already know, Ian Freeman, the founder of this show, was recently convicted of various victimless crimes and is facing up to 20 years in prison. We can argue all day as if the uh, to as if the jury was mistaken, but that's not going to get us anywhere. What will be helpful is for you to write a letter to the Honorable Joseph LaPlante about Ian's character, 
how he has helped you or the community, and why you think he deserves a light sentence. Mentioning things about yourself that give your opinion weight with government would be helpful, such as if you've held an office, uh, if you've had a career, if you volunteer, if you're a former military, these are things that would be worthy of mentioning. Ian is a selfish, selfless guy that has always tried to do what he thinks is the right thing, and it would be a tragedy if he had to spend any time in prison at all. We need these letters quickly, so don't put it off. Send your letter for Ian Freeman to 63 Emerald Street, number 610, Keene, New Hampshire, 03431. If you didn't get to write all that down, it's okay. All the info you need is at letters.freetalklive.com. That's letters.freetalklive.com. All right. Uh, when we last left our heroes, we were speaking with jerkface McEffingstash. And you wanted a reminder to ask a question. And I don't remember the question, but I remembered the reminder. <laughs> oh, uh, we were talking. Very uh, helpful. Thank uh, you. Jer- jer- world market. Yeah, jerkface was talking about reputation wallet. Okay. Uh and we had you know questions about what is that and how does that work and and you were talking about how reputation uh, wallets and the chinese social credit app are you believe the same thing or at least the backbones are are identical and one leads to the other so i wanted to ask richie rich specifically and then let uh, jerkface retort uh, what about on like the silk road uh, when they had the reputation scores for each of the sellers so if I were selling, you know, I don't know, drugs on the black market and a number of people would uh, patronize my store uh, and when I delivered quality product on time at a reasonable price, they would rate me higher than you know, arguably other sellers. So how do you see that fitting in versus the uh, the wallet r- version of reputation? Uh, generally, so individual things like that, I'm probably okay with. Right, like eBay feedback, the Silk Road reputation, however that's worded. Right, because the Silk Road thing was based on eBay, right? Okay. Yeah. So they they and I, literally copied the eBay reputation system. Yeah, and like I know like if I'm buying something off of Amazon, I mean the quality right. that you can get varies on you know similar products. Sure so I always look at those reviews to make sure I'm not buying something that sucks. Right. But the the global reputation score, reputation rating, reputation wallet, Chinese credit score is global across multiple industries I guess and it follows is, you everywhere. Yeah, it is tied to the individual instead of like the business, I guess, would be the The business right? or the account, right? Like if, account. if your reputation goes to pot on eBay or Silk Road, right, you're like, screw that, I'm going to sign up for a new account and start over again. Right. Right. And then maybe the, the worst thing that happens in that case, right, is because you don't have a reputation, you don't make as much money. Right. Right. So there's like, there's a, there's a consumer feedback mechanism in there which is, well, this dude doesn't have a reputation. I'm not willing to risk as much money buying from him as I would spend more money for someone with a better reputation. Right. So I think you've answered my question uh, within that thinking that like your eBay reputation doesn't carry over to Amazon. Your Amazon reputation doesn't carry over to any other platform. They're they're platform specific. Yeah. And I had a, I had an old boss and friend who, who did the eBay thing on the side. Yeah. And for like one month, um, he was in the midst of a divorce yeah. with his wife yeah. and shipped out nothing. <laughs> right? Poor guy. And then he got it all together and he you know, sent everything out. Yeah. Right. But for that month, he went from you know 100% feedback down to like 70% feedback because he just didn't do anything for a month. Right. Right. And then 
you know, in the if that had carried with him everywhere else he went, right, yeah, right, it would be harmful to his recovery, right. Whereas just going like, okay, I made good, and you know, over time my reputation will will rebuild, and only specific to eBay seems more reasonable to me. Let's let's get Jerkface's thoughts. Yeah, on the Silk Road, it was devastating for a seller to lose their their account. So if they were wiped out and uh, they were banned from the site, they had to start over from the beginning. It was uh, it was really hard to recover from that because it takes so long to get people to trust you on the dark market and the reputation thing. The good thing is is that um, on the Silk Road, trust was like the the main concern uh, between sales. So eBay actually, or eBay, uh, the Silk Road held your Bitcoin in escrow until uh, the product uh, reached the buyer. Right. And that that made it a lot better. But yeah, it was absolutely devastating for a seller to have their accounts wiped out off those uh, those platforms without a doubt. Uh, how long it takes to build reputation in those kind of situations? So even even in that situation, right? Like I've I've bought, uh, I have been scammed on eBay out of like an iPad, right? Mm. Because I, I, it was a good deal. Mm-hmm. I bought it. They shipped it. I got the ship notification. Said it was being held at the post office. Never got delivered to me. I went down to the post office. Post office said that tracker is not associated with your name. We can't give you the package. Uh, right. Balls. Oh wow. But I got. I went through eBay's protocol to right. get my money back. So I didn't lose anything. And I don't know what happened to that seller. Yeah. Right. But if 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 Silk Road's like holding it in escrow. And the guy goes, no, man, I put it in the box. The box had a tracker. Tracker said it was delivered. And the buyer goes, I didn't receive anything. Right. Well, then what happens? Now we have a dispute that we need to resolve. Right? Yeah, then- Silk Road Yeah, Silk Road usually uh, dealt with those uh, disputes. Um, and I'm not really sure on how they decided. I'm sure a conversation took place and they made a decision one way or another to release the Bitcoin back to the uh, buyer or to the seller. And if they release it uh, back to the buyer, right, who received the product, pretended like he didn't get it because of the situation I just described, but in the reverse, right, and gets his Bitcoin back, then the seller is screwed. Yeah, this same thing happens with uh, these third-party uh, ticket resale places like StubHub, yeah. for example. Uh, and and uh, uh, without naming names, somebody recently uh, had this happen where um, he sold some tickets to somebody and uh, uh, sent them, you know, mailed them out, whatever. And then that person said, oh, we never got them. Yep. Uh, and so this person, you know, a smarter person, uh, you know, gathered some evidence, uh, asked them to collect the uh, the logs of the, the when they scanned the tickets for entry. And they could see that the tickets that he sent uh, to this buyer were used at a completely different time than when he used his tickets, right? Because he bought, let's say, four tickets. So him and his other party went in, you know, at, I don't know, 6 p.m. And these other tickets were scanned like at 7.30 p.m. So you could tell that there were two different points of entry that he himself didn't use the tickets that somebody else used them. And so then, of course, the event had, you know, cameras and all that kind of stuff that they could, you know, take advantage of if they wanted to. So they're able to pretty easily uh, resolve that dispute. So uh, that happens regardless of system. Uh, but what I want to know, uh, Jerkface and, and Richie Rich and, and uh, you too, Nikki. Like, yeah, whoever you are. For, forgot her name for a second. What's your name again? Uh <laughs> How does this tie into uh, reputation wallets? 
Anyone? Bueller? Well, Crickets. Jerkface first, because he's more familiar with the Oh, models. yeah. Uh, well, for me, like, if I were cosplaying leftists, like, I would want, like, people to be more car- carbon-free and uh, be more charitable and stuff like that. And they, they build their reputation like that, mm-hmm. as well as through transactions and disputes and, uh, you know, just generally being a good citizen. Now, like, the anarchist me rejects that, like, wholeheartedly because I think those people are nuts. But they have every right to do whatever they want, you know? Like, and I can see how that system would be very desirable to leftists. Uh, as far as rightists, they, they probably just want honest businessmen, right? Like people who deliver their product on time when they say they're going to do it exactly how they described it. And they just want to see that repeated over and over and over again. And I think that kind of goes for the free market in general. Yeah, but if, if you have leftists and rightists on the system, right, those leftists are going to target a rightist, Right. And just right. like they do on Twitter and whatever the term for Twitter bombing them, right? Just with yeah. bad reviews, negative reviews, bring down his reputation to whatever because he Wouldn't didn't conform with their leftist? societal goals of being more carbon neutral. Yeah, I mean, and we've already seen that on uh, social media where they'll pick a celebrity who, uh, like, I'll I'll pick that country song that people, you know, all the, the left in my is, small town. Yeah, they're, they're up in arms about it. So... I mean, they're slandering him all over the internet for something that may, I mean, I saw it, it doesn't look racist to me, but whatever. Um, so they're kind of getting this like mob mentality to like try to take this guy out and ruin his life. I mean, we're already seeing that happening on social media. And now it's a part um, of the permanent it record like on the blockchain. To everybody? What's what was that? that? Doesn't the leftist um, slander bomb look like it's backfiring on everything I do. Like whenever they, they come at, I think Jason Aldean released a song about Travis in a small town or whatever like that. And it hit number one on the charts and it's still number one. The same thing with the, the, was it the sound of freedom? And it it just, you know, it just seems to be backfiring on the leftists to go ahead and reputation bomb somebody. Uh, My problem with 10 years from now, when no one remembers this event, right. Right. And Jason Aldean's reputation score is still low. Uh, because it's on the blockchain forever, right? Then what? No one's going to look uh, at the history I, and be like, oh, yeah, this is because of the bombing, the leftist bomb from 10 years ago. I still think that the market will figure out a way to sort it out okay. between the leftists and rightists when they do reputation bombing. So I do have a problem with each other. I do have a problem with Jason Aldean, and it really has nothing. The like, song sucks? Like, oh. Is it just country music? <laughs> Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I I mean perhaps, but that's not what what the answer is here. Um, so I also uh, do music. Uh, what I never do is uh, make somebody else's song because I'm a songwriter, and he didn't even write this song. So there's all this kerfluffle uh, about oh, yeah. a about a song that this guy didn't even write. Yeah, he can't even write his own freaking songs. Screw that guy. Crank some Captain Kick-Ass instead. Yeah, but that is a good point. Yeah, they're all up in arms about his lyrics that he didn't even write. It's well, like, it's, it wasn't all the lyrics. It was the video that accompanied it. Whatever. Yeah, which I still watched it, and I was like, well, I don't understand what's racist about this. And then everyone on Twitter was like, well, it's blatantly obvious, so if you don't see it, then you must have a lot of racism yourself that you have okay. to unpack. And so, I'm like, okay, well, thanks uh, for so not let me, helping let me at br- all. Let me briefly explain it to <laughs> yeah, you, Yeah, thank you. Uh a lot of the footage that he used was from Black Lives Matter protests where they were burning and looting. I mean... And then he started it, well, it was just on the steps of a courthouse 
that's famous for lynching a black dude. Yeah, so that's <laughs> definitely not cool. Well, so, no, 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 they're no, like, no. dude, you're doing look, a video about like anti-black look, protests look, on a courthouse no, steps no, no, where they no, lynched what, a black What happened dude. here is that this is just good marketing. Okay. That's all that it is. The extreme always seems to make an impression. Whoever the production team was on this music video was like, we got to make a video that we're, really like drills, We're going to piss off know. the left yeah. and, and rally and, the right. And that's exactly what they did. It created all this kerfluffle to a point. I had no idea who this loser was, right? This Jason yeah. Aldean guy. The song I had sucks. no idea. And yes, I don't like country music to answer I the like question I like country music generally, old stuff. Uh, I, I really don't. Uh, there's only a handful of like country, Johnny Cash uh, okay. and uh, the Charlie Daniels Band. David Allen Coe. Uh, 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 all right. Not, not so much. All right. But uh, my point is, is that this guy is modern country pop, yep. right? He's not. He's not outlaw country. Right? No. He's not like a Waylon Jennings yeah, or anything like no that. Yeah, this ain't no Willie Nelson. Yeah, ain't, yeah, it's none of that. He's he's country pop is what he is. He can't even write his own freaking song. And his marketing team did a great job producing a video that was controversial that did more for his career than any other single piece of marketing he has ever put out. I think I also yeah, have another thing that I didn't like about him. On Twitter, he made a post trying to appease to the left and was like oh i'm sorry and blah 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 and i'm like listen you cannot reason with these people and you trying to and you you know it shows that you kind of don't have a backbone and i mean it's, it's a one good way thing, to lose your base well and that's the thing so it's it's one thing to be like hey this video isn't racist i don't know what you're talking about to make the statement like hey i was not intending for like i'm not, I'm not racist wasn't intending for it to be perceived this way whatever um but to like I the way he did it was I think in poor taste and it made me lose respect for him because I'm like you have these crazy people who are are obviously insane yeah and like don't try to don't even try to argue with them like it's a waste of time and your actual fans like the people who actually probably might be racist aren't gonna like that Drake face culture war is extremely unreasonable it. I try to stay the heck away from those crazy people as it is, but going back to the reputation wallet and trying to figure out how does the market adopt a reputation wallet where we can trust each other in e-commerce and doing trade all the time is, is there a way of doing that? Do you guys have any other ideas on, on how to expand that? Skeeter's got a ton of them. He's putting in the comments over here. Start oh, wow. face I thought to it face. was a really great concept, but I know no one's going to adopt what he wants because the the rest of the world doesn't want what Skeeter wants. Skeeter just has this thing in his head that's it it's gotta be that way or you know, the world ends. Start local, start face to face, branch out from there. If there's stuff that needs importing, right? Find a reputable importer who mm-hmm. does more than just the one thing. Sounds good to me. Hey jerk face. Thank you All for right. the call, man. We appreciate you. Six zero three two eight three six one six zero. Let's go to. Uh, I believe this is Robert here on Free Talk Live. Hi. Um, before you were talking about um, the difference in, uh, you know, the, the, um, you you walk across a piece of property with two sticks, and if they change a little bit, then you think that there could be water down below. Divining um, rods. Yes. Okay, so so what you're really measuring is you're measuring very very slight changes, or at least trying to measure very slight changes in the um, in in gravitation. 
that would be right. That would be a correct. My that my assumption would be correct, right? So gravitation or magnetics? Yeah, so, I would think it would be uh, variations in the magnetic field that the Earth is constantly, you know, emitting. Okay, the me- the rods are made out of metal, or are they made out of wood? Metal. I see. I didn't understand it because I've heard of people doing it with wood. Does everybody do it with metal, or do some people do it with wood as well? I think the wood is in the cartoons. Yeah, I, the only time that I've seen it was, it was literally, I, I want to say like a coat hanger type of material, right? It was just long uh, pieces of, you know, imagine a coat hanger just, you know, straightened out completely, no bumps or anything in it. And then at the end, it had like a little bend, a 90 degree bend, so mm-hmm. you could just hold it in your hand, like like finger guns almost. And so you just put that uh, in your hands, and you hold two of them sort of parallel to each other loosely, and then... And you walk across the plot of land, and as you, you know, discover a disturbance in the force or whatever it is, the magnetosphere or or the gravitational pull, the rods will pull together or move apart. And sometimes, depending on the strength, like I've been told that sometimes they will even spin if you're holding huh. them in your hands, depending That's on weird. how strong the force is. I've never witnessed that. I just witnessed them move, you know, a few degrees one way or the other when, when the guy was holding them. It's so. a midichlorian count of your water source. Yeah, right. See, yeah. I was picturing tuning forks. Yeah, slightly so. different. Slightly different. Robert? Yeah. Well, I, I was just thinking, you know, if you measure gravitational force, I know varies from place to place. There is a difference in gravitational force. Um. So, and I didn't know whether you were measuring gravitational force with, with those things or if you measure with, with, uh, magnetic. Again, it's voodoo because you're not know, measuring anything. You just got two rods in your hand, and when they cross, there's supposedly water there. And then you dig a hole, yeah. like however many tens of feet deep, and then if you're lucky, you hit water. If you don't, you go, oh man, I got to use that rod again. And then you walk another 50 yards someplace else and try it again. Well, and the same thing occurs that you just described using, you know, equipment, electronic equipment. Okay. That is supposed to, you know, be able to, you know, sonar like shoot something down okay. into the earth and tell you where the, the water table might be. And, you but, know, then you drill a hole and nothing's there. But humans being electrical sources and being the ground as the majors, you know, said it, it's, it's, just, a, it's just a more simplified version of the complex equipment. Sounds like it. Robert? Yes, I see. Well, I I, I was thinking of, of gravitational force, and I, I just wanted you to know that in terms of gravitational force, um, gravitation actually is made out of photons. And photons are massless subatomic particles, just like, I mean, photons and gravitons have that in, in common, but gravitons can, uh, are responsible for gravitational force and photons for uh, light and also radio signals. RF, that kind of thing. So there is, there's a major difference between what they do, but their, their propagational characteristics have a lot of similarity. As a matter of fact, that's how we discovered that, um, gravi- that, photon, that gravitons are actually traveling as well in deep space, not only photons, but gravitons as well, because Albert Einstein predicted that 100 years ago, but he said we'd never be able to detect it. But the way we detected it is we had receiving stations in different places on Earth we detected the very slight difference in time when they reached the different stations that it was the same signal. And that's how we knew that gravitational force, that both the gravitons were doing the same thing and that we were receiving them from deep space. And I just thought to myself, I, I didn't know, I, I, I was trying to figure out, trying to figure out in my mind if you were, 
if you were dealing with gravitons, gravitational force, but I, I don't know, uh, to tell you the truth, and if there's anybody out there who does know, 603-283-6160. I've got a quick headline for you, Robert, before we let you go, and maybe you can stick around and comment on it. Uh, this is not okay, the number yeah. two story, but here you go. Germans have a moral obligation to sacrifice living standards and wealth, claims their Green Party MP. Robert, stand by. We'll bring you back. 603-283-6160. We'll get Robert's response to this headline when we have more show. 603-283-6160, Free Talk Live. That's the phone number here at Free Talk Live. We'll get to your calls and thoughts momentarily. Uh, You had something for Robert. Oh, I just... Well, uh, hang on, hang on, hang on. on. Before we we go there, uh, I have to say thank you to David... David... Dave... (laughs) Already off to a good start, folks. Hi, I'm your host, the captain. And in the studio, it's... Nikki. And Richie Rich. I have to say thank you to David R. Jeffries. David R. Jeffries is a platinum amplifier. <laughs> what does that mean? Well, there's this thing called amps.freetalklive.com, or as we refer to it, the amplifier program. It's a way for you, the listener, to help spread the message of freedom, peace, liberty, and prosperity that we bring to you here on Free Talk Live and help us get on more radio stations and otherwise advertise, market, promote, and support this show. We only ask for five bucks, and if you go to amps.freetalklive.com, you'll see it's a Patreon-type setup, and you get some things for for your donations. You can give more than five bucks. Uh, David R. Jeffries is a platinum subscriber, and that means he gives, I believe, $25 per month to help advertise, market, and promote and support this show. So thank you, David R. Jeffries. If you would like to become an amplifier, visit amps.freetalklive.com. That's amps.freetalklive.com. All right, let's bring uh, Robert back on. All right, so read this headline again for people who are just tuning in because I want to hear the headline. So I found I found this headline. Uh, I'm, we don't have to get into the article, but it, it made me think of you, and so I set it off to the side. Germans have a moral obligation to sacrifice living standards and wealth, claims their Green Party MP. Now, I know Robert's a big fan of Germans, the German way, and Germany, Germany, Germany. German chocolate cake. Sure. But why are they being asked to sacrifice their living standards and wealth as a moral obligation? Well, Germans certainly feel that moral obligation, no question about that. And, and Germans contribute significantly to the rest of the world, and most people have no idea how much, because Germans send engineers right out into the field and show people how to do things. They don't write a check for a billion dollars and then have some nasty dictator put half of it in a Swiss bank account and the other half 
by weapons to hold this population under control. Germans send, they have the Deutsche Hilfsdienst, which means the German helping service, and they send out engineers to show them how to clear, clean water, for example. They send clear plastic bottles. You just put the water in the clear plastic bottles and put, them out and put it out in the hot sun, and it purifies the water. It's almost like three purification. It, 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 little things like that, they can make a huge difference. Okay. And, uh, and Germans are, are very, very conscious. About I don't feel like things. he's answered the question. Well, so let's just take his answer ever so briefly and suggest that um, in a free market, right, which we you know, we know we don't have, um, if you were providing that level of value, you would be receiving more value per our earlier discussion, right? Like if you were providing this level of service to the rest of the world, you would be getting something in return and would not then need... Uh, to lower your living standards and wealth um, for the vast majority of the Germans there? Well, Germans believe in doing it, and, and, and this is, I'm also half, I'm half Jewish, I mean, I'm, 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 so I, I know about Jewish philosophy, and the Jewish philosophy is, and, and a lot of Germans go that, by, by that, because Germany is heavily influenced by the Jewish philosophy, because we're actually part Jewish in a kind of a way. I can tell you why, how, how that turned out to be. 1600. But anyhow, what we do is we have that, that same philosophy. In other words, you contribute all you can and, and, and have it so that it doesn't negatively affect you. In other words, there are lots and lots of ways you can help people without it bringing you, bringing you down. Um, and well, this one is actually being told to bring it down. Right? Well, the, the Green Party MP is saying lower your living standards and be less wealthy. Well, 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 Germans have factories and, and sales offices all over the world to sell, to manufacture all kinds of products. And a lot of people from all over the world work in German factories. Here in South Carolina, we have BMW, the largest BMW plant in the world. Um, for, uh, the other day, Volkswagen decided to invest $4 billion near Columbia to build a huge factory there. We have Mercedes-Benz here in the Charleston area. Uh, Volvo came in, and, and they're not too far away. Actually, they're in North Charleston. So a little bit north of North Charleston, and and, uh, and 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 Germans provide work for people all over the world. They they tremendous. They raise the living standard by giving people work and giving them a future and help them with education. As a matter of fact, one time I think it was gone. So many, why many why would ago. it be moral for them to lower their living standard? And well, you can do all. The best way to do it is to dovetail. In other words, take to to. to I'm not asking how. I'm asking why. Why would it be moral for anyone, uh, much less the German people, well, it, to lower it, it, their it, it, living it, it, standard because a politician said so? You, you, you should do it without living, you, lowering your living standards. You don't have to lower your living standards. You, 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 you live normally. I mean, Germans live normally. I, I, my, my relatives in Germany, they, they live normally. They don't, they, they're not, they're not, they don't overspend or anything well, like they're, that. Well, they're being really asked to lower their standard of living by this guy. Who's this guy? Uh, the Green Party MP. Well, there might be some younger Germans who, who who are living it up a little bit, but Germans in general are are very very cautious when it comes to giving out money. They they get the max, they get the mo the best for less. You know that's every the, single that's German. Thing. Yes, Germans are almost every single German. Yeah, I mean, uh, you'll find very you'll be hard pressed to yeah. find exceptions. Let me put it that way. Hey, Robert, thank you for the call. We appreciate you. Um, I find it difficult to believe anyone who claims to speak on the behalf of you know, all people of a certain area. Well, he's uh, our talk, you know, talking uh, German guy, so and he's also Jewish. So you know, we've got that going for us, which all is right. nice. Uh, let's move on. I think we've got Tim in Florida. Wooden Tim, doors, you're on Free man. Talk Live. Wooden doors. 
Hey guys, gals, hey. guys. Um, however, uh, so I've got three alphabet agencies here, NCBI, NLM, NIH. So we've got National Institute of Health. What were National the other ones? Library of Medicine. National Library National of Medicine. National Center for Biotechnology Information. Okay. And, uh, what, what do you mean way, there? They're in the got, room with you right now? No, well, kind of. I've got a website, www.ncbi.nlm.nih.gov, and they've got articles there. Uh, they've got one from 2006 called Swine Flu Influenza A Outbreak, Fort Dix, New Jersey, 1976. <laughs> and people should check it out. Um, they okay. actually refer to... Can you summarize it for the listeners who will not go check it out? Yeah, why should somebody go check it out? What's what's important there? Why should somebody go and check it out? Well, so so the abstract, um, basically, number one, they don't know where it came from. Uh, To this day, the uh, CDC doesn't know actually where it came from, Uh, although it it was an outbreak at Fort Dix, New Jersey, in early 1976. They call it the Novel A slash New Jersey slash 76 HSW 1N1 influenza virus caused a severe respiratory illness in 13 soldiers with one death at Fort Dix. Okay, so I'm just going to fast forward. Um, This is 1976, and uh, Gerald Ford was president, Mm -hmm. and he basically attempted to vaccinate 100% of the population. I I don't know if he was successful. I was born in 1979. Um, I just found out about this, and I'm just – Wondering, anybody in the audience uh, that I know, I know it's almost the end of the show, but uh, anybody in the audience that knows anything about this, um, what happened? Was everyone forcefully vaccinated, or was there? Well, you mean like the entire country forcefully vaccinated, or yeah. the military? That, well, the, uh, Gerald Ford was trying to vaccinate the entire country, from what I understand. But I mean, I could be wrong. That would be impossible because there's always been a lot of like religious folks who don't take any vaccines at all. Um, and back in the 70s, they didn't. I know where we always see those articles about like, oh, they're putting the vaccines in the lettuce and they're spraying it into the air. Um, there was really nothing like that in the 70s. So I would just think. That yeah. to even vaccinate most of the population would be pretty impossible. I was born in 72, and I don't remember getting any immunization shots until I was seven, maybe, something like that. So it wasn't even like a thing that people did at like childbirth, mm-hmm. uh, which they do now, apparently, in some hospitals. Yeah. They'll, they'll... It was also a lot less. And, and it There's was, like yeah. three Yeah, in the mumps, 70s. MMR was the big one. Mumps, right. measles, and rubella. That was and, it. And now there's like... Hundreds. Yeah. Now there's yeah. like, and you got to go through a, a, a series of these shots. Right. You got to get one, and then there's like TB, and then there's you know a, a whole bunch of other stuff that they want to give you too. Um, so my guess here, Tim, is that uh, what we saw with COVID isn't the first time they tried what they tried. Uh, it sounds to me like they at least tried it once before in 1976. Yep. 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 Uh, yep. Also, in uh, I believe it was 2009, they tried it with uh, swine flu again. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that because uh, uh, what was the other one? The bird flu? In the Avian Ebola? The, yep. Yeah. The a- oh, yeah. I remember the Ebola scare. Ebola was actually yep. crazy, though. Yeah. Like, that was really bad. Well, it. Not, yeah. not in if, the United States, in Africa. Yeah. Right. And if COVID was that bad in the United States, 
I don't think you would have seen as much protest. No. Right? I'm like, sign me up. Yeah. Because that looks a lot worse than just a cough for two weeks. Right. Tim? Anyway, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and drop off the air here. I don't know if you got time for any more callers, but if anyone knows anything about that, I'm I'm trying to find out everything I can. Hey, thanks for the call, Tim. We'll let you know. Let's move right along. Let's go to Sarah in New Mexico. Sarah, you're on Free Talk Live. Oh yes, I have a big accomplishment. We're going to in, uh, improve the safety of our um, Louisiana Street. And I've been working on it for like maybe 10 years. What's your big accomplishment? So gonna... Louisiana Street in New Mexico. Why? So I used to live there, by there, and crossed it many, many, several times. And um, They're so finally putting in a narrow. rainbow crosswalk. Well, uh, it's going to be uh, narrow to two lanes from four car, car lanes, wide and sidewalk, wide and... Um, um, I mean, put bicycle paths and put median pedestrian refugees or something along the line. Sounds like all homeless people in New Mexico. <laughs> refugees. Pedestrian refugees. <laughs> yeah, p- 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 <clears throat> pedestrian refugees. Yes. Uh, yeah, well, what it means is you, you have a little island that's cut out. You could stand in the middle and just cross one side of the street. Oh, okay. And you're able to cross the other side. That's what they call it, a pedestrian refuge. So it's a new place for homeless people to stand. To hey, we have it. those here. Yeah. They stand with their signs oh, little... and like sit on the milk crate or whatever. I love the ones that stand in front Pan- of the sign that says don't pan don't pay panhandlers. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, that's always yeah. good. So what was your big accomplishment, Sarah? She just told you. Oh. Put that stuff well, up. we're gonna have uh Wait, how did you accomplish that? Wasn't that, you know, uh done by well, you know the I state or something? To, um, well, they were discussing about this and I went to many um town um I mean, uh, meetings in that area asking about how they're going to improve it. So I've seen many, um, like those uh, pictures that was put on many several, um, you know, diagrams or futuristic pictures of what they're going to do, how they're going to improve it. So you didn't actually and build so, the thing? Well, she no, petitioned her government for 10 planning. years. Right. So, so you went years. to some meetings and now you feel like you accomplished this thing? We the people, Captain. Let her answer. Yeah, I, I, I was a part of it because I was there at several meetings with the city engineers on how they want to improve uh. the street, and I had some say-so. And so I'm just really happy, even though I don't live in that area. You know, I shop there, so I wander around there. All right. So that's the big accomplishment. Well, hey, congratulations. Oh, right. Thanks for the call. Yeah, 10 years. Uh, Free Talk Live. What's your name, please? Free Talk Live. Hello? You're on the air. Caller going once. Caller going twice. All right, give us a call back. Uh, I recognize, I believe, who that was. I was trying to get them on because of that. But uh, if you can hear me, uh, caller who just uh, was not available, give us a call back in the next uh, you know, two, three minutes. Uh, so what were we talking about? Oh, we got to get to the number two story. Yeah. All right, let's get, let's get to the number two story. The number two story. <laughs> it's from RT. Diarrhea strikes at World Triathlon Championships. That sounds terrible. Let me to hear how many. <laughs> Seawater samples showed concentrations of E. coli 39 times greater than normal levels. It sounds like a lot. 
Sounds like somebody spiked the uh, the the swimming area with E. coli. Code Brown, Code Brown. Code Br- <laughs> they played the Brown note. That's for sure. At least fifty-seven competitors <laughs> were just drinking poo water. After at, running before jumping on a bicycle. This at, is like Woodstock 99 all over again. <laughs> this is different than the brown acid. <laughs> no, yeah. At no. least 57 competitors at the World Triathlon Championships in Sunderland, England, contracted illnesses, including diarrhea, after taking part in sea swimming events last weekend, health officials have said. The championships, which feature around 2,000 triathletes last Sunday. Okay, so only a small percentage. Included a swimming stage at Sunderland's Roker Beach, a section of coastline which has been at the center of controversy, or controversy, depending on... You know, no, it's in England. You said it right the first time. Regarding the dumping of raw sewage by water companies. The UK Health Secrecy Security Agency, UKHSA, said that it is testing samples from competitors who fell ill, to determine if common pathogens can be identified. So, let's just stop there for a second. You're a triathlete? I'm not a triathlete. No, not, but, uh, okay. You made eye fo- contact. Follow, follow okay. along with the thing here, Richie Rich. All right. It's not necessary to like jump in every second, but like, imagine you're a triathlete. That's better. And you're competing in this competition, and uh, you got sick. Yep. Now you got to give these people a sample. So they can determine what you've suffered from. Like, that's just like adding injury to insult. Just just knowing, right, that it's from drinking the poo water in stage two it should be very, very off-putting. Stage two. Yeah. Our number two story. What's, yeah. It's, isn't it usually stage two, right? You run, you jump in the water, then you I ride the bike no to the clue. finish. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, would, I, I don't know how these yeah. things work. All right. I, well, I call am, in if you've ever run a triathlon. I am no triathlete. Okay. Uh, in fact, I'm no athlete. Okay. <laughs> An analysis of the seawater at Roker Beach by the UK's Environment Agency three days before the race found the water to have a concentration of E. coli 39 times greater than the samples taken the previous month. E. coli is a bit... Yeah, we know what E. coli is. I so think. They, they ran the event after knowing the samples were spiked. Did they know, or was this uh, after? No. Well, well you just said three days before the event. Yeah, they took, they took samples of the water in which they swam and found that the E. coli content was 39 times greater than the previous month. So, yeah, so you'd think that they'd be like, mm, maybe not. Maybe, maybe we, we cancel that reschedule. stage, reschedule yeah. something. Have been feeling pretty rubbish since the race, triathlete Jacob Britwhistle. His name is Britwhistle. It's a very British name. Wrote on Instagram of the findings of the analysis, according to The Guardian on Saturday. Well, I guess that that's what happens when you swim in shh. <laughs> that word. The yep. word that starts with shh. Man, that's funny. My mate won't even kiss me no more. Another triathlete responded to the post. That now explains why I spent Monday night with my head in the toilet after I raced on Sunday morning. Uh, Northumbrian Water, the company that provides water and sewage services to 2.7 million people in England's northeast, including Sunderland, denied any wrongdoing, said that it had not recorded any raw sewage discharge, which might have affected water quality. We have had no discharges from any of our assets that might negatively uh, impact water quality at Roker since October 2021. So 39% of whatever they measured 
just in a one month just happened to get in there and it wasn't from the company that runs the pipes out there sure yeah oh was it the triathletes who were all just taking a a moment while swimming to you know relieve themselves during the you know the event i mean if these guys were in the back of the pack then maybe right because then you're swimming you're swimming right through like like two thousand other people human centipede stuff (laughs) oh oh (laughs) (laughs) got him i've seen all three of those British Triathlon, meanwhile, said it is collaborating with Sunderland City Council and the UK HSA to determine the cause of the various illnesses that emerged following the race. Several factors, including sewage overflows and runoff water from nearby roads and fields, can negatively impact water quality in affected areas. Blaming the cows. It's cow poop. Yeah. From the nearby farm fields. When in doubt, blame the cows. One of the comments is Boris was washing his Johnson in the water the day before. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Uh, That's our number two story. Um, Sorry, triathletes. (laughs) Yeah, that sucks. (laughs) This is definitely a number two story. What do you do going forward? Like, if you, you know, if you're going to run this race again. Yeah. Or if you're just. You know, if they're like, they took the sample three days before and they didn't notify anybody of the results of the sample, right? Seems slightly negligent on the part of the organizers or the sample takers, right? Yeah. And like, it speaks volumes that they took samples before the race. Well, they took it a month before and then they took it three days before. Right. And they went, wow, this I mean, is really high. And, you think that but they, they still would. ran the, the race. Yeah. 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 So there's that. But you think that they would always check the water quality before doing the event yeah but it it seems that they just take the water quality and then like don't care what the results are that's what it seems like yeah we weren't even going to tell anybody it was 39 percent higher but then these 39 th- times oh yeah excuse me 39 percent, times, yeah. yeah 39 times but then these 57 people got sick so now we have to admit what happened yeah that's yeah. probably they're like, well, don't ask, don't tell. <laughs> yeah. Again, market phenomenon, right? If these organizers are running another race and they, there's a lack of applicants to sign up to run, mm-hmm. you might be able to look at their reputation score of how they've operated in the past and determine that maybe you don't want to race for these people. Yeah. Of, unless the prize money is, you know, worth drinking that much poop water. I mean, it could also just be the the British diet. <laughs> all those uh all those uh, chips and and you know whatever they keep out on the on the windowsill that you know most americans refrigerate i don't know they they keep stuff. eggs yeah, eggs and okay. i keep my else. eggs out what are you trying to say do you get farm yeah. fresh eggs yeah of course okay. yeah. oh well that's okay. all right yeah but they're talking i'm not gonna eat store grocery box. store eggs oh my gosh well okay because ridiculous at least with eggs right americans refrigerate their eggs and Europeans don't refrigerate their eggs, and they both yeah. do it for the same reason. And what's the reason? Keeps the eggs fresher. Yeah. So which which is it? Good question. Well, so the thing is, once if, if the eggs are unwashed, you can leave them out of the fridge for like a couple of months. Mm-hmm. Once you wash them, then they need to go into the fridge. I don't know what happens when you're rinsing them with water that makes them need to get refrigerated, but... It's definitely a thing. Interesting. Yep. I also oh. leave my butter on the countertop. Oh, I do that too. Uh, well, you you should only do that with salted butter. Unsalted I only butter. eat salted butter. Yeah, you so. should not like unsalted butter will will go bad, and you'll you'll get what these guys got. Well, 
I'm pretty sure really? I use unsalted butter that's been out on the counter. I don't know how long, but I use it. I use it quick enough. Yeah, it's it's fine if you use yeah. it quick. Like if you just let it out long enough to like soften up so you can spread it on your roll. No, no, I mean it stays on the counter, but throughout the week I use enough mm. of like the stick of butter where I'm not haven't been concerned. Are you eating unsalted butter? I'm pretty yes. sure. It's not salty. I mean, you'd know, right? I mean, I'm pretty sure when, like when I buy the butter, like I don't know what stick is there now. Yeah. But when I buy the butter, it's the unsalted ones because you can always add salt. Yeah. To whatever you're making. Right, but the I difference guess. is that the unsalted butter won't keep when left out, whereas the salted butter will. I got it. Because it's a dairy product, the unsalted butter will uh, eventually rot, and when you eat it, you will get sick. Right, and I have not experienced that to this point. Yet. Correct. Right. <laughs> okay. I just know well, that that's also, a thing. I mean, I, I'm just trying, like, you know, I don't need I appreciate Rich, the help. You know, calling yeah. out on a, on a Sunday, oh, man, I ate some unsalted butter that was left out too long. Yeah. Uh, thank you to Richie Rich. Thank you to Nikki. Thank you to all of our callers, all of our listeners, and to our amplifiers, of course. If you missed any part of the show, find us over at freetalklive.com. Look for the archives. Thanks and peace. This is Mark Edge with Free Talk Live. Mark Warden with PorcupineRealEstate.com is one of the best real estate agents I've ever worked with. I've been through about two dozen real estate transactions in my life, and I feel like I know what I'm doing, but there's always the things that you don't know that you don't know. Mark Warden with PorcupineRealEstate.com found a problem with the house that I was buying that ultimately saved me $65,000. He's a consummate professional, holds his people to his own high standards, and I would unequivocally recommend him for any real estate purchase in New Hampshire. Don't sell yourself short. Contact PorcupineRealEstate.com.